This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good Tuesday afternoon. Welcome in to Grant and Danny on February 6th, 2024. We've got a great show planned for you today. I'm out here at Mandalay Bay at the Convention Center Radio Row in Las Vegas on the Strip. Getting ready for Super Bowl 58. Danny is in our Half Street Studios. Daniel, how is the district today? What is up, my friend? You're missing beautiful weather here in Northern Virginia, Maryland, D.C., etc. But I imagine you're having a hell of a time out there in Las Vegas. Dude, it's been gorgeous uh, out and about here in the DMV. It has been raining since I got to Vegas. Mm. And right around 49 to 57 degrees. So you might have me one. Uh, have me beat. You might have the win on weather. Would have lost that in the office pool, my friend. Yeah, it's it's been pretty much perfect here. It's going to be even nicer tomorrow. But uh, yeah, thing, it, there's there's a lot of ha- lot happening. Think about where we were a week ago today. You know what I mean? Like when, whenever stuff moves this fast in the NFL offseason calendar, I always think about stuff like this. Like a week ago, we're going, you know, who's it going to be? We find out it's not Ben Johnson. We find this out. We're now we're you know we got a picture from Nikki Javala of of uh, you know. Uh, Dan Quinn looking like the Ben Affleck meme where he's tired going through an airport domestically, taking a regular commercial flight, you know, within minutes. Now we find out he's a leading candidate. It's a not so fast, my friend. He's the head coach. Now that we have an OC. Now there's a defensive coordinator. Now there's all sorts of guys that are being flirted with to fill out the staff. Like it just moves at a geometric lightning pace. Just amazing to think about where we were just a week ago. We got caps tickets. We're going to give away today at three o'clock. A pair of them can be yours to go see the team take on the Devils on February 20th. We're giving away tickets to see Steve Trevino at MGM National Harbor at 6 o'clock tonight as well, right here on Grant and Danny. You don't know what I'm getting into out here in Vegas tomorrow. What is it, my friend? Wednesday night, I will be inside the sphere to see you too. Nice, dude. How about that? That is awesome. How'd you hook it? Well... Two ways. I'll explain how we got the tickets in a moment. I was going to say, is it lots me, of money leaving one of your accounts? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's 80% I want to be in the sphere and see. Well, that's not true. It's 92% I want to be in the sphere and see all the technology and see what it looks like and what all the, you know, the hub is about. The rest of it is going to a concert. Because, as you know, I could probably live the rest of my life, two years, 50 years, doesn't matter, not go to a concert and be perfectly fine. I don't particularly care about U2. I know nothing about Bono and, and that band. I know they had a song on Sing 2 that my daughter likes. But I want to be in the sphere. Looking at it from the outside, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. 
all I've heard people rave about is the technology that they use for the show and what it's like. So for me, I think it's kind of a can't-miss opportunity. So I think it's silly. I'm a huge U2 guy, but nothing pretty much after the mid to late 90s is excites me about U2, but there was a period of about 12 years. They were not unlike the then Redskins, where they had 12 years of outstanding performances, just going to conference title games, winning Super Bowls, getting to Super Bowls. They were they If not for maybe another band or two, they'd be the team of the 80s. And I know that's a, a bit of a hot take, but I'm a huge U2 fan. Problem is they're going to do like all like the new stuff, which is not as awesome. I just want to see the tech. I get you. you know, I just want to see the, uh, you know, all the screens and everything behind you. That's unlike any concert basically that's ever happened before. So I'm excited about that. But Vegas has been cool. Last night was media night. I did not bother to go over to the stadium. I don't know if you're going to take issue with that as the representative of the Grant and Danny radio program. I did not go to. The madhouse that was Allegiant Stadium for all the people wearing capes and all the you know weird costumes. I just didn't bother with that. I didn't think there was a whole lot of value to our radio program for me to go with 30,000 of my friends uh, and all the fans that are here to go over to Allegiant. So I'll have to apologize to you on behalf of uh, me and, and Jacob who made that executive decision. Don't you dare apologize to me. Uh, you shake the tail when you walk. I love that. So, like, if there were chances for audio that would have made a lot of sense, I guess, but, like, yelling and trying to get somebody's attention to ask, like, a, a not-that-funny question in the hopes of getting, like, something, it just, it's, whatever that is is not for me. So, yeah, you, you didn't miss anything. I Ho- hope you had a nice dinner. Did, I did have a decent dinner, actually. I was happy about it. Nice steak. Did you see what Kyle said last night at the podium about uh, the hires? He's uh, very uh-huh. high on the Dan Quinn edition, he endorsed the brand-new head coach of Washington, who, of course, he coached under in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly a big Adam Peters guy. Him and Peters are probably the two most influential people in building the Niners roster that's in the Super Bowl right now. I never know if people care or not about you know endorsements from around the league. But I will say, for what it's worth, whatever you want to say about Dan Quinn, I've said a lot, you've said a lot, we all have. We all have our takes. Some of the, the, the opinions are hotter than others. I am still, last night, no exaggeration. I'm still getting text messages unsolicited from people around the league. I mean, I've gotten head coaches in the NFL, players mm-hmm. in the NFL. Mostly it's media guys and you know other people tangentially involved in organizations. But they're just I'm not asking anyone questions. I'm hearing from people I haven't talked to in a couple of years that just want me to know how awesome Dan Quinn is. Well you can see like, I yesterday, get it, man. Grant, I get that people like him. Yeah, it's cool. I, I get it. It's obvious. I mean you could see it yesterday. Doing 57 minutes, and I, I guarantee you all the, all the folks in PR over there uh, with the uh, Washington 53 are looking at it going, keep going. Explore the space. There's no time limit. Do as much as you want because every second that he's up there, he's winning hearts and minds. Right? When you have a candidate like that in, in politics, when you have a, uh, a new CEO like that, you don't want to hide them. You don't limit them. You find ways to, to showcase them. You can see why that guy is beloved. It's obvious. It oozes off of him. It's genuine. It's not some act. It's a clear demonstration of all of the qualities that have all these guys unsolicited around the league that he's worked with over the years. You can't find someone to say a bad word about him. You know, like players that, that he benched are like, thank you so much. I really appreciate you benching me. And the way that you did it makes me feel better about myself. You know what I mean? Like the dude, the dude is clearly a star in that regard. And, and that's a pretty essential ingredient. I mean, as much as I made fun of Ron Rivera, and I think I don't take any of that back. I think I was, I think we were pretty on point. But that quality of dealing with people well is Ron's best trait. 
as a coach. I think he was overmatched in pretty much every other capacity, and I'm praying he gets the, the, the Cowboys defensive coordinator job. But that EQ, dealing with folks and, and figuring out what each person needs and how to get the most out of them, is an essential ingredient of being a coach, and that's at any level. That guy has that in spades, right? And then you start to match up with some of the X's and O's and knowing uh, you know, when to use timeouts and how to challenge correctly and all those sorts of things, and you got the makings of a guy that knows what to do. He's Danny. He's in D.C. I'm Grant. I'm out here in Vegas at Radio Row for our big game coverage on 106.7 The Fan, which is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. Danny, you sleep on solo stoves. I'm I've sure got I do. one in my backyard. Oh, my God, they've changed the game for me. I do a bit. I'm such a dad now where any kind of paper that's just loose, like torn oh, envelopes yeah. after mail, anything, Old I homework. will start a fire. It's so easy, right? I mean, it literally is a minute. I go outside, I light the solo stove, and I just burn stuff for no reason. I just It's like the guy that used to burn his leaves all the time. You're not allowed to do that anymore, I right. think. Now, you can't tell me I can't burn a solo stove. I just throw anything laying around the house, basically, in my solo stove. God, I love solo stoves so At much. At Grand so. Pyro. Uh, the Ruyers have one as well, by the way. You sleep. I've never heard you talk about a solo stove. If you have one, it's like CrossFit. You're not allowed to not talk about it. I know. I, I have made the mistake of not, not talking read about the it every manual? day. I know. It, 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 it's one of those things where the, the, our schedules are so, like, hectic and complicated with, like, my kids doing stuff, it seems like, you know, every day. We don't have as much sit-down time outside, but those few sweet spots where it's like it's not so cold that it's miserable even with the fire, and it's not hot, obviously. But we've done it a few different times, man. I, those things are, as you said, they are so awesome because it's so easy. I'm not, I'm not out there, you know, like a Boy Scout with, with two sticks and like a triangle and getting air underneath. and the, uh, I can't do any of that crap. It is so contained. It's so simple and easy. I love those things. Yeah, I'm sneaky, a big pi- uh, fire pit guy, but when I turned – on the computer today, fired up the show document, and I saw that our Radio Row week was sponsored by Solo Stove out here. Covering. So silly. I, I was like, a little steamed up. I was uh, leaving my house, not seeing my kids for a week, probably the worst part. Not seeing my wife, I'm going to put that up near the top. But also not getting to use my Solo Stove for a week is, is really the challenge of being in Las Vegas. So I'm glad that they are sponsoring our big game coverage uh, for sure. I have not, true story, Every conversation I've had out here, I have not talked to anyone about the game yet. And I feel like that's normal. You used to come to these with me all the time. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to a Super Bowl in years. But my recollection is that we always, at the beginning of the week, talk about how no one's talking about the game. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, it's that first snowstorm where we always complain about how it doesn't snow or something. Maybe this is revisionist history, but there is so little discussion about the game. Everyone's talking right now about still the coaching cycle. Yes. Frankly, Washington's been a big buzz. Everyone, you know, zinging, whether it's the Dan Quinn hire, talking about how good Adam Peters is going to be. Uh, what are they going to do at number two? The sneaky thing everyone keeps asking and discussing here is the possibility of a trade up to number one, which I would hate and want nothing to do with. But they could go up to number one and get Caleb Williams and take over the draft, and that would be post Robert Griffin, the biggest thing that's happened in this town for sports. And, no, 12 years. 100%. I mean, it's, it's, that conversation is not going away, by the way. And it's only, the intrigue's only been added to because you add Cling, Cliff Kingsbury to, to the roster here as, as the guy that's worked directly with Caleb Williams and a guy that's been, I don't, you know, it depends on who you ask. Some people would say whisper. Some people would say in the room while greatness was happening. I mean, it all depends on your view. I, I'm not here to, to slam the gavel. We don't know. We're going to find out a lot over the next season or two uh, when it comes to him. But 
because he's of his proximity to some of these guys, you know, he knows Caleb Williams is good or better than anybody. So he, he would know what the wrinkles are. He would know if Caleb Williams can handle being, you know, in, in his home market where some guys have said, you know what, I don't even want to deal with that. Think Kevin Durant. Other guys did that. Think Chase Young and didn't thrive. Other guys have, have been great. Think John Allen. There's no, you know, one way to do it. Guys have to, you know, sort of be aware of what maybe the pitfalls or challenges might be. And, and Kingsbury certainly would probably know him better than anybody to be able to say, hey, yes, this guy could handle being uh, playing here in his backyard. So who knows? But the, uh, yeah, that intrigue is, is not going away. I've had multiple people, like email chains, texts as well, being like, hey, are they trading up the number one? Is that why they got Kingsbury? I'm like, dude, that, that is far away right now, but it's also something that's not, not dying anytime soon. All right, so at the risk of annoying you, because we're only 15 minutes into the show and I don't want you to be upset at me for the rest of the show. Oh, no. But I do, I do think we have to – the moment they hired Cliff Kingsbury, I thought we had to address something. And now today, as you're yep. talking about him, I know I we know. do. I know what you're going to do. What am, what am I doing? You're going to say you can't say Burry because yes, it's B-U-R-Y. I, I'm trying not to curse. Guy, you're doing your thing where you bury something. Yep. And it's going to drive me out of my mind. Mm-hmm. If we're doing radio together every day for four and a half hours and you're going to Kingsbury him. I'm just I'm already having a tough time with it. So what are we going to do about this? I so my I think there are two choices ahead of us. I will do my best and you get over it. I, that's like my first thought. Like I don't know if right. that's if that's which one, one which hmm. one's your primary thought? Me get over it or you do your best? It's kind of you get over it. Like I'll I'm okay. going to do my best. Like I cuz I actually know about it. I I don't want to actively bother you. Like I could do it like burying <laughs> like it'd be funny occasionally. Right. But like I I I'm cognizant of it. I'm probably 50-50. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've tried. But, like, in a sentence, because it's not an E-R-R-Y. You know what I mean? Because it's not starting with a straw right. you or a say, rasp You or say blue. bury for everything. Although you right. don't say strawberry. That's no, the part I don't get. Well, because it's of, of what it is. Like, a strawberry is a berry. That's something that you would eat. So it's spelled correctly. B-E-R-R-Y. Right? Yeah. Uh, Drew Barrymore. It's not Drew Barrymore. It's Barrymore. So if you want to be a berry, get your, get your E in there. Get your double R situation. And we'll go from there, right? You can be I-E at the end. You can be a Y, like a rasp, like a blue. Like, you can do a lot of things with berries. If you are a U-R-Y, I respect the letters. I, you know what I mean? I just can't ignore what it says to me. Uh, like, I'm not going to bury the dead. I should probably bury the dead. You know what I mean? Like, under the ground. Uh, so I'm not sprinkling raspberries on top of somebody's carcass. You see what I'm saying? Like, but it, you don't a really think that there. you bury the dead. Sure you do. No, you don't. Yeah, you bury your you dead. bury them. So here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Because we're friends, and we're going to do the show together as best we We've made it through 10 years. Cliff Kingsbury can't end this thing just what if this was the rift? What if this was the one where it's like, <laughs> like it's not my I... haircuts or, like, you know, how, like, how annoying I am to deal with cutting you off, all my needs for attention. It wasn't that. It was the, it was the Cliff Kingsbury quandary. I think I'm going to do everything I can for it not to bother me. Okay. But if I said Ron Riviera – you know, every time I said his name, mm-hmm. or, or if every time I said, who's the guy that we've said the name the most of the last few years? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, Rivera probably. Sam Howe. If I called Sam Howe, Sam Halla. How well? How well? Yeah, that would annoy you a little bit, right? Like we can't do mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury. We, we need to just let's say, you're not. I don't think you're saying his name. You don't think his name is Burry. You know his name is Cliff Kingsbury. So it's not like you're fighting back. Hmm. It's just you're falling into your trap of saying Burry. That's my McLean accent, like Bruce Allen. Um, yeah, so there's a difference to me. Like, So when Bruce Allen would go Kurt, that's the wrong name. Kingsbury's name is spelled 
Oh, you did it right there. Well, you I know said I did. That's, I did it on purpose. Kingsbury's name is spelled like Kingsbury. Okay. See what I'm oh, saying? Okay. So, like, if if that wasn't his name, then I, I, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's the quandary. Like, so if you were like Howell, like, well, that's not Howell's name. It's Sam Howell. Like, Kingsbury is B U R Y. If he was a B E R R Y, it was Kings first, like Kings Hawaiian, and then a berry, like topping, which would be delicious. I would eat that. Then I could make an adjustment there. But yeah, I mean, I will, I will do my best. But at the same time, it's one of those things that, like, I think, A, I'm right. B, it's not worth fighting about. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of my order of operations there. Tough to start with right when everyone, including himself, calls him Kingsbury. Oh, what do we do? Oh, this what do is we tough. do? How do we do it? <laughs> what do we do? All right. Well, we'll persevere. Mm. Uh, we're, we're pals, and we're going to make this work. That That's what we're going to do. This is like when, you, you know, they say in marriage, it's all about communication. Yep. I have voiced my displeasure in something that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're buying too much wine, you know, these wine shipments. You're, there's too many Amazon packages. That's not about you, I, honey, by the way. You're doing everything perfect. I would never say anything like that. Um, my, I need my communication to, to be better. Yeah. Like, I don't know what people are, are with in, in their, you know, whatever it is. I am voicing my displeasure, and now you can do with it whatever you'd like. Sure. Yeah, that, and, and that, it's, it's incumbent upon me to make this partnership work to, to try to compromise. It's not about being right. I don't care about being right. I care about making my partner happy, but I will do my best. So I learned that you can't just put something on the calendar, for example. You have to put it on the calendar and an invite and then also speak about that invite. So you see what I'm saying? Like, I I learned these things, so I will do that. Do I happen to think that's absurd? Yes. Am I doing it anyway? Yes. Let's make a trade. You're doing something to make me happy. What can I do to make you happy? What's something in this pairing, in this partnership, in this Mm. budding 10-year relationship we're, we're thinking about taking things to the next level now. Wow. I, I, what it, it, can I do? Uh, is there a word that you want me to say differently or better? Or is there no. something that grinds your gears? Do you need me to start putting gel in my hair? What is it? I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't All right, have Give anything. it a thought. I'm, I'm a get-along guy. Like, you know what I mean? I try not to complain about my work spouse. You know what I mean? I don't come in here with, with airing never. grievances. Yeah. No, me too. Uh, the only thing that I can't deal with is when people say bury instead of bury. I see. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I can see that would be hard for you to overcome. It's a bridge too far. I can see that's too much. <laughs> oh, I can boy. see it, yeah. Uh, we're supposed to be joined by, I don't know, is he a godfather of talk radio? One of the. Didn't Mike of our and thing? Mike kind of get this thing going? Yeah, he's, he's one of the OGs of our thing. Mad Dog Russo, who's a, just a big star now, and he once said microphone glass. Uh, I don't know if he meant magnifying glass or if he went microscope. But we're going to find out. So, Darius, have that clip ready so we can play it for him when he joins us here on Radio Row. Microphone glass. There it is. I want to ask him about the Dan Quinn hire. I want to get into Cliff Kingsbury. You and I just doing our normal show have a lot we got to cover today, D.C. sports-wise and commanders-wise as well. they got to fill out the rest of the staff. Everyone's throwing a party because they've got Cliff Kingsbury. But he's got to now go find and layer this offensive staff with a couple of up-and-coming young assistants. So, Let's look into that as well. Grant and Danny with you. I'm out in Vegas. Danny is in our D.C. studios. This is The Fan. I'm so pumped for Dan. I'm so pumped for Washington. Dan's a hell of a coach. They got a hell of a one. I know they've gone through a lot of stuff in these last 20 years, but having AP and DQ is as good as it gets. Like Dan taught me so much in Atlanta. I'm very grateful for how much he's um, helped my career. 
and him and Stacy and just what he's going to do for their organization. Um, knowing Adam, knowing Jen, like they're set up very well. What's that? Um, I, mean, I just loved watching uh, watching how he ran the team. Um, certain things he did on the meetings and stuff. You take you take things from everybody, but um, Dan, the way he, the way he carried himself, the way he talked to the team, uh, was as good as I've been around. The voice of Kyle Shanahan at Media Day last night out here in Vegas over at Allegiant Stadium. I'm at Mandalay Bay at Radio Road. Danny's in D.C. You're locked in to G&D on the fan. Thomas Dimitrov, former GM of the Falcons, who was their GM working side-by-side with Dan Quinn in the Adam Peters role when he was the head coach of the Falcons. He'll be joining us in a half hour at 3 o'clock. That's when we're giving away Caps tickets, so make sure you're listening at that time. Solomon Wilcox, who's a great NFL guest in Radio Hit, he'll join us at 4.30 to preview Super Bowl 58. We can dive into the matchup with him. Mike Smith, who was the coach of the Falcons before Dan Quinn, knows DQ well, going to be with us today at 5, so we'll be very busy. What did you make of Kyle's comments? Obviously, two guys he knows very well, he's friendly with, so maybe you could take it with a grain of salt. That's a relationships thing. But what'd you make of that? I thought that was interesting. I mean, it's listen, it's, all data points are welcome, right? Whether you like the information or not, that's something that we should be taking into consideration. I mean, somebody that's here at the highest level that's about to play, you know, the most important game they've played since, frankly, the last time he was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, giving a, a ringing endorsement of the new hire here. I, I don't know that that's always been the case, right? I mean, you heard people that worked with Jay Gruden say nice stuff about Jay Gruden. You heard people that worked with Ron say nice stuff about Ron. That, that's not crazy. For Kyle Shannon to do it kind of this week, it's, I don't know. There, there's something that rings a little bit special about that, right? It's a little bit, it's a little bit more weightful and impactful than, uh, I don't know, than the some guy that he might have come across, you know, a, a couple of years ago as a coordinator in Seattle or something like that. Saying it, you know what I mean? Totally. I also think there's something to be said for, and I'm not trying to suggest this wasn't the case with Rivera, who everybody in the national media seemed to love. Yeah. But there is a likability now with this hire where. Kyle Shanahan referenced those people have been through a lot for 20 years, kind of took his dig, if you will, at Dan Snyder. But I think this is a get popular hire. Rivera was that to an extent as well. But there was maybe a little more dated element to it with Rivera, right? Almost a a previous era's head coach. He started in 09, Quinn, like eight years later. So it's a more recent version of a bell of the ball type that everyone is going to be into. How much different did you feel, if at all, or, or how... How much did yesterday help you in cushioning the blow of the disappointment that it was Quinn, seeing how well the press conference went, 57 minutes long, him holding court? Basically, you saw him at his best yesterday. Yeah. My my mood about all, all, all of it went up. And again, I wasn't, I didn't mean to, it, to pretend that I was like devastated or set back. And I know a lot of fans are, are, have been super irritated with you, with me, or whatever, over the last week or so. I, I think part of that's inevitable. But to me, the, the issue I had, it's not even an issue, it's a... Please don't pretend that this this was our guy all along. It's not what it looks like if he was your guy all along. You're here though, so I'm not complaining about that. You can here's your path ahead. Here's how you get good, and they've already taken a couple of those steps in hiring uh, coordinators, especially Joe Witt. By the way, that seems like a steal uh, in terms of making the Cowboys a lot worse and, and finding one of the bright young minds uh, in the NFL to be the defensive coordinator here. So, you know, a good feet are going forward, and it's easy to see after yesterday all of his best attributes. As a communicator, as a as a as a dude, as someone that's gonna you know lead and not do the thing where he yells at you to do it and then you know kind of can't follow through himself, he's going to be there, working, grinding, doing the Dan Quinn bit, 
right? Which is very welcome. So, yeah, yesterday my opinion certainly went up a little bit. And, and, and the sting of the process sort of ending up with the safety school, which is kind of how I, I view this Dan Quinn thing where seven other teams said no. Washington was the only one that said yes, only after a couple of the more, you know, sexier, whatever you want to call it, candidates went elsewhere. Then you landed on a guy that you let get on a commercial flight after hanging out with you. Yeah, okay. That's in the past. What's here now is a guy that demonstrated some 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 pretty quality uh, or some pretty good qualities. Yeah, I feel better about it the further away we get from the search. I just did the search wasn't particularly efficient and it didn't leave me feeling good. I, I don't think that's you know, necessarily a crime on their part, and it's certainly not anything I think I have to apologize for. I didn't like how it went down. Uh, the fact that Ben Johnson left them at the altar, so to speak, and told them no is what it is. I'm over it, and, you know, it's not necessarily important. I will say I, I don't play the game where everyone, you know, now wants to, why do we care how we got here? It's weird that people care. They should care. It's the first major search for this group. It's a massive addition. It's a massive hire, and it was less than a week ago. We invested hours and hours and hours of energy and time into what was going to happen. We saw it play out. You act like it's been six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hired the, the press conference was yesterday. So the idea that no one should care about was he their first choice or their second choice or their third choice, does that matter? We're now being, you know, and I say we, but collectively the fan base or media or whatever is like, if, if you are interested in the fact that Dan Quinn's the third hire, you need to get over yourself. No. I mean, it, it's relevant that he was the third hire. It can also work, by the way. When the Nats wanted Brandon Phillips and when they wanted Ben Zobrist and they didn't get either and they settled on Daniel Murphy, we didn't know he was about to become one of the best Nats hitters of his era. It can work out. But I think that the, the dialogue over the last 24 hours has been weird where if you're a fan and you were a little disappointed, you have to get with the program. You have to get on board. People said the same thing with Ron and with every other coach that's come in here and you're still trying to find a coach. You're still trying to hire the right guy. So I'm not trying to tell anyone how to think. I don't think anyone else should be telling other people how to fan in this regard. Have your feelings. That's fine. If you watched the press conference like I did, you saw an excitable, energetic, inspiring you know, leader. That's why he is getting a second crack at this. It's why he's so popular. does not change necessarily how I feel, but I definitely feel better about it as we get further removed from the disappointment of, thinking they were going to go one route and then finding out they were going another. Albert Beer wrote, wrote his normal great piece in uh, NMMQB, and he kind of chronicled how Washington landed on uh, Dan Quinn. And, and one of the, my favorite things in there was the not only having a couple of canned answers like anybody else would, right? Like like if you know if you or I gets fired and then you know a, a couple of years from now we're inter- interviewing for a job, and why'd you get fired? You could have a couple of like, oh, management restructuring, a couple of canned answers about why it didn't work. He went way beyond that. He hired people, and he went into the the you know the, a forensic, a kind of an autopsy of what didn't work and why. So for my next crack at it, I'm not only ready, but I won't a won't make those same mistakes. B know what to do when faced with that fork in the road. Right? It's it's that extra layer of when he said, "I've been pining for this." I, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but you remember this from the presser yesterday. I've wanted this. It's not just coaching is coaching. No, no, no. I want to be a head coach. I want this so bleeping bad. I want to do this. I want to be the head guy. You don't just say that. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to get there? What's your path to work, right? Is to, uh, you know, to, 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 again, go over where the missteps were. You don't treat failure as an end game. You treat it as a stepping stone to your next part of your journey, right? And that, I love that part of Albert Brewer's piece 
where he basically said, all right, give me the straight truth the entire time. Uh, where were my mess-ups? And I think that was instructive to the man. Yeah, that's well said. I also think there's something to – if you're with the commanders right now, there's no reason to try to combat any backlash. There's no reason to try to push back against the fan that's disappointed or, or what have you, or the columnist that says, hey, this was kind of a peculiar hire. Because you're confident in your guy. You know you know it's going to work, theoretically, right? You, mm-hmm. They'll find out. Like, I kind of like, and I think they've operated this way, and I, I give them a lot of credit in this regard. They're not trying to convince anybody. I don't, I don't get the sense, right? In terms of, you know, fans or whatever, they're, they're moving forward. You guys will see what we already know about Dan Quinn. You have to be understanding of the perception didn't come out of nowhere. There is a, a formula that's working or it isn't in the league, and you're, you're going against the grain a little bit. So you can't do that and then be surprised when people are surprised. Uh, but I, I like what happened yesterday. I think, A, the fact that you delivered on both coordinators, Kingsbury and Witt, quickly. You've got a chance now to build some quality staffs. Those are significant hires. Who becomes assistants under those guys is paramount as well. And maybe more notably, Danny, mm-hmm. I think the fact that you had the presser, and as you said, it was 57 minutes long, they would have let Dan Quinn talk for two hours. Because the more he's at the podium, the more people are going to like him. The more he speaks, this is not a Rivera thing where, you know, he's using his tropes and, and all of his platitudes. He's got plenty of those, too. But he is a very personable guy, dropping first names. He knows what he's doing. Next on Grant and Danny from Radio Row in Vegas, we'll be joined by Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, right here on G&D on the Fan. Big game coverage on the fan is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. Out here at Radio Row Convention Center, Grant Paulson alongside Danny Ruye was back in our D.C. studios. We're joined now by one of the legends of sports talk radio, one of the godfathers of this whole deal, Mad Dog Chris Russo is with us. But now you're a big TV star as well. No, let's not go crazy. Radio's my uh, – Dan, how are you? Radio's, <laughs> the, well. uh, radio's the love. So uh, radio, it starts with the radio. We I was going to ask you, though. I mean, right now doing both, is it still for you heavily skewed toward radio in terms of enjoyment? Yes, yes. Uh, TV is much more powerful. You say things on TV that gets a lot more uh, traction. You know, I've said a lot of the things on the TV that I've said on radio for 15 years and nobody heard it on the radio and they say it on TV and all of a sudden people <laughs> get all excited about it. Is I've done the same, I, it's the same multi, you know, it's the same process uh, for a long period of time. The power of TV is interesting. You say something on TV, everybody picks it up. Uh, you don't have that necessarily on radio, but the personality, the way you put together a radio show, guests, calls, rants, figure out the hour. I enjoy that more. TV is it's, it's very producer-oriented. You have seven segments. Each segment is a certain amount of time. you got to pass it to the next guy. It's a little different. It's, it's a very regimented thing. Radio, as you guys know, you do anything you want. You get the breaks in when you want to get the breaks in. You have fun. You be goofy. Put anybody on you want. TV, it's more of a director's medium. Radio, it's more of a personality medium. That's the difference. So, do you prefer Chris or dog? Like, what, what should I call uh, you from Chris, afar? Chris. 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 
uh, you know, I, I, there's nothing I can do about the dog. I mean, I had that nickname since 1987. Would yeah. you get rid of it if you could? No, because you need it. Uh, the, the nickname for me is is significant. I think it has sort of established me. Everybody know, knows me with, you know, Mad Dog, Doggy, Dog. So from that, but as far as the name, you know, I'd rather have, my wife doesn't call me, uh, my kids don't call <laughs> That'd me. That'd be funny if you got home and she's like, hey, dog. dog, get over here. I got you. <laughs> take, the, take the garbage out. So the, the name, you'd rather have, and I always say Christopher Russo when I'm on the air, not necessarily Christopher Mad Dog Russo. I usually say Christopher Russo, but I mean, the bottom line is, uh, you know, if, if you're a radio personality, it goes a long way. It establishes you. There's a lot of mad dogs in sports, though. You know, Greg Maddox was mad dog. Yep. Um, uh, Fred Carter, the old Philadelphia Sixer, was mad dog. Jim Mad Dog Mandrich, a long tight end for the Dolphins. He was that. There's a lot more mad. Vinny Mad Dog Lopez, one of Springsteen's early drummers. Well, we have a There's Chris a lot Russo. of them. Uh, we had a guy who had to change his name. He had to he change his actually, name. I think an intern for you at one point. Now he's Chris Russell. But he's, he was Chris he Russo. Was Chris Russo. Oh, and he was in radio. So now he's Chris Russell. You made him change. His oh wow! Name. My goodness gracious, which I did not want to have to do. So he changed <laughs> it. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, there was a. Was he an intern at WFAN? He was. He yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, I do remember that. I didn't know he changed his name. Uh, I've had the nickname again. Bob Braceman gave the nickname in 1980. Let's see, probably 87, 88. And when I got to uh, uh, FAN, uh, which would have been sort of late 88. That's when a nickname took off. So, so Chris, there's no truth to the rumor that our friend says, Mad Dog told me, change it or else. That didn't happen? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Now, I have trademarked the nickname. There you go. So, it's trademarked. I pay a certain fee to the U.S. government every year. So, I did trademark the nickname so nobody could specifically use it, um, uh, you know, just arbitrarily and make profit off it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I use... Uh, you know, I have a corporation. I do a Mad Dog Incorporated, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, Mad Dog Unleashed. So, I mean, it's part it's of the whole deal. It. That's yep. all there is to it. He is with us right now on Radio Row. What do you make of the commanders last week here? I'm very surprised I hired Dan Quinn. I'm not a big Quinn. I don't know why the fascination with Dan Quinn. Why? They, they blew a tw- His team blew a 28-3 lead and then 28-9 fourth quarter New England. That's number one. He was 46 and 39 in New in Atlanta. He gets fired. He goes to Dallas. They never responded defensively in postseason play. The Niners three years ago ran all over him in the wild card game. He lost to Dallas. He lost to San Francisco two years ago. Now listen, they didn't play badly in 1912, but you know, pretty played pretty well in the game. And then this year, Green Bay killed him. So they just fired Rivera, who was a defensive coach. They got the second pick in the draft. I was very, I know Ben Johnson turned him down. I understand that. I was very, very surprised. That would not have been my hire if I was running a team. I know they got the young GM there from San Francisco. I would not have hired Dan Quinn. If I was a Commanders fan and you told me that Dan Quinn was my coach, that would not excite me in the offseason. That's would you the way I feel about it. I don't know how the folks in D.C. feel about it. A lot of them feel similarly yeah. to you. No, they do. Okay. I mean, but, I, but I think part of it is if – if it was just you woke up one morning and it was Dan Quinn, it wouldn't be exciting. But they also spent a couple of weeks thinking it was Ben Johnson. And That's then maybe true too. it was going to be. Like, the idea was some hot shot offensive play caller. Well, we've all heard of. Absolutely. And now you're going with a retread defensive. Where's Bobby Slow? Did they talk to Slowick in Houston? They interviewed him. He they went did. back, obviously, and got paid to stay there. But they interviewed him. I was surprised, though. 
those were the only two outside candidates offensive that they interviewed. The rest were Raheem Morris and uh, Mike McDonald. Six of the eight that they interviewed, seriously, were defensive coordinators. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that. You got the second. I know their defense stinks, but they just had a defensive coach. I would not have done that. I think if you're asking me from afar, I'm not like you guys who are living it day to day. If you're asking me, that's a bad hire. Now, I could be wrong, proven wrong, but I'm not, I, I got to give you the opinion now, not in five years. Right. That's a bad hire. What do you think about their, their quarterback draft pick? So they're picking second. Right. Would you consider, now that they've gone and got Cliff Kingsbury, who's close with Caleb Williams, it has cranked up. You know how this works in, in radio world, right? Everyone's calling and saying, well, they got to go get Caleb Williams. They're tight. Williams will want to go there over Chicago. Puts Would, out the tweet that says he loves Kingsbury. Exactly. Would you trade up if you had to give up, let's Well, you say, have to now. But if, if they had to give up two second-round picks this year, which they've got, and a first next year to go up one spot, would, I would you do that? Boy, I probably wouldn't. Because that's what they're saying the value is. That's Wow, that's high. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, you can't take Drake May because you cannot take another North Carolina quarterback. You got Trubisky, who stunk. You know, Sam Howell, who I had a lot of high hopes for early part of the year, did not finish well. I think the enemy's got something to do with that. 57 times he's dropped back in the past. The poor guy got killed left and right. So I don't think it's all his fault, but obviously it sounds like they're moving on, right? They need a quarterback. Um, I would not draft Drake May, so they're in a tricky spot. Jake Daniels? You know, a lot of people, I have Danielson, I have Danielson on every week, college football and the SEC, yeah. and he loves Daniels, and he's pretty good. So, I, you know, that's something I would consider. You may not have to could trade down, right, I would think. Yeah. You don't have to take him with the second pick. I, could you trade down a little bit? I don't know if I give up that much to get Williams. And I'll tell you right now about Williams. I saw USC play. You know, we all saw USC play a lot. He turns the ball over an awful lot. I am not sure if he is as much a home run as everybody thinks. Plus, you never know with these quarterbacks anyway. Never know. Look at Young, Stroud. But, you know, they're in a tricky spot now with Kingsbury, Williams wanting to play for him, second pick in the draft. So they're in a little tricky spot. Chris, give me a Super Bowl thought. Who do you like and why? I'm not betting against Mahomes. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I took him against Buffalo, took him against Baltimore. I am not betting against Mahomes. And this is the theory I'd give you. Life on the line. Would you, uh, Shanahan's a good coach, but life on the line. Would you rather have Reed or Shanahan? You had to take Reed. Reed. Life on the line. Would you rather have Purdy or Mahomes? It's no question. You take Mahomes. So I'm taking a quarterback, and I'm taking a coach over in Kansas City compared to San Francisco. Plus, the Niners have not played well for a while. They did not play well against the Ravens. They did not play that great. The Rams, the last game of the year, didn't mean anything, but they lost. They were lucky to beat Green Bay, and they were fortunate to beat Detroit. The Chiefs have hit their stride. They played well against Cincinnati. They played very well in that horrific weather against Miami. They out. They were right there with Buffalo, and that was a great game. They played well there, and they really played well against the Ravens. I'll take the Chiefs. Chris, we got to let you go, but I'm going to play a quick clip for you. We okay. play it on the show all the time. Okay. We have no idea what you meant to say here, but you referred to something as a microphone glass. Listen to this. Microphone glass. Were you talking about a magnifying well, glass or a microscope? <laughs> microphone glass. What was I talking about? It must be for eyes. So yep. it must be a magnifying glass. Okay, when did I say that? I, oh, my it. God. I don't remember, but we played on the show just about every day. That's microphone where, glass. That's why I'm a goofball. That's why people <laughs> listen. I come up with goofy things all the time, and that's what people, you know, the people, they, they like that kind of stuff. So well, I thought it was I a microscope. You, I've lost. 
I hope you brought your microphone glass with you. Thank you for the time. Thanks, oh, Chris. we love you guys. Appreciate Good it. to have you with us here. Grant, thank Danny, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next, Thomas Dimitrov, GM with Quinn in Atlanta on Grant and Danny. Microphone glass. Grant and Danny on the fan all over D.C. and Richmond, AM 910, FM 1051. Joining us for the next three hours, of course, wherever you're at, you can take us with you on the Odyssey app. It is the best way to listen to the show. You can pause, rewind, and it's just an awesome way uh, to have us with you anytime, any day. Uh, The program today and every day is brought to you by the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They're the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Danny, how good was Mad Dog? That was funny. Sensational. I, we, I could do Radio Insider Stick with him for a long time, and I know some folks that you know like uh, like us and like some of the stuff that we do are really into that, but of course you got to get to the business of at hand, too, with the coaching hires and Super Bowl and stuff like that, but I could listen to him do inside out talking about this and that, like for you know, from from days of old forever, man. I, I love that sort of stuff. One of the reasons we had to move on was because we're joined right now by the former GM of the Atlanta Falcons and a long executive was in New England as well. Thomas Dimitrov, it is a pleasure, pleasure to have you on in TC. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Thomas is doing a great thing with Super Sports. He is running the shop over there. They work both with teams and helping to advise them on some of their searches and analytical dives. Also, though, for people like me, uh, we follow the website and and get smarter with the analytics that they're providing. But one of the reasons we wanted to chat with you when we were coming out to Vegas this week is you were the GM with Dan Quinn, locked in arms, Mm -hmm. shoulder to shoulder in Atlanta for years. He, of course, is the new head coach of the commanders. So first things first, tell me about Dan Quinn. Look, I'm so excited for Adam Peters, who we also were together in New England, so I can speak to him as well. The fact that Dan gets an opportunity to come back, I've always thought he needed to be back in at the helm. Dan is incredibly passionate in you know, his, his ability to come in with an eye. He's a very sharp football coach who has a way of keeping the morale up in, a, in an authentic way, which I think is great. He also comes to the table, and everyone should know this, Massive passion and ability as a personnel guy, meaning he can evaluate talent. He's not just a head coach who has ideas and calls his buddies around the, 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 the coaching community to give him, you know, heads up on players. He's very good at that, and I think he's going to work really, really well with Adam as far as approaching the game and, and getting the right personnel uh, uh, like they need here. So, look, I am all for it. I think, I think Dan has learned a lot of great lessons along the ways He's an incredibly aware person. There are some head coaches out there who get their second chance and they're saying, screw it, I'm doing it the way that I've always done it. And Dan is not that person. He's going to look at it from so many different levels and decide what he might need to adjust, in my opinion. Thomas, tell me about you guys' collaborations. You know, the the idea that it's always a honeymoon is naive. These are strong-willed people with, as you said, really strong opinions and aptitude. You're eventually going to butt heads at times. 
I'd love for you to, to go into some of that a little bit, right, as you guys work together and then times where you may have disagreed. How did you resolve it? Well, it's interesting, and, and this is the honest truth. Dan and I probably had two times when we were really locked horns with a player. We had a lot of great conversations. He is extremely collaborative that way. He'll listen to the personnel man, i.e. Adam, the, 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 the general manager and the group. And, and yet he still has strong opinions, which I think he delivers well. What happens often is, as a, as a head coach and a GM, I'm a big believer in that relationship. You close the door before you even go out to your coaching staff or to your personnel staff, and you, you talk about the players. You talk about who you need to adjust. You talk about the cuts you need to make on your team. You talk about the free agency and the draft a lot, and you do it every day. Dan is an everyday guy, and I would say he and I met probably six to eight times a day. And it wasn't, it wasn't like neurotic, right? It wasn't like we were both in each other. It was just we would pass away, we would catch up. So that's going to be something that Adam has. He doesn't have a guy that's locking himself away for days upon days working on the, the game plan. That's a really, really important part of what Dan brings to the table for Adam in my mind. It's interesting because we're, we're 72 hours removed from finding out he was the head coach. and Thomas Dimitrov is with us who hired Dan Quinn in Atlanta. I'm still getting people from all over the league, some that I haven't talked to in a couple years, that are just hitting me up to be like, dude, you're going to love DQ. Or, what is it about? Like, we just yeah. hit a press conference yesterday. You've been a part of a million of these. It was a 57-minute introductory presser. And the team wasn't letting – they weren't going to stop it because a lot of people, to be frank with you, weren't thrilled by the hire. They're like, really? A, a retread, a defensive yeah. guy? This isn't – and I think the team's going, the more he's at the mic, the better for us because yeah. he's – People are like, you know, this isn't that bad. I kind of like this guy. But it was 57 minutes long yesterday. Why do so many people around the league like him so much? Well, I just think because he is he's that guy that has the energy. He's a guy who's authentic. He's a guy that will look you in the eye, and if he has an issue with you, he will hold you accountable in a way that you walk away when you're, you know, sort of uh, not uh, ostracized or just when, when something is on his mind, he'll deliver it, and you feel like, I want to improve for that guy. I've heard it. You know how many times I had players come into my building or into my office in the building in Flowery Branch in, in Atlanta and said, Thomas, I know you guys are thinking about it. If you guys are thinking about cutting me because of my money, I will take less to play for Dan Quinn because this is where I want to end my career. This does not mean Dan Quinn's soft at all. It just means that's what those guys want to do. They want to play for a guy that keeps their momentum up and their morale up, but that will also call them and be real with them and call them out when they need to be called out, and they want to win for them. And I would say that about people that deal with them, whether it's the media or whether it's a fan base or whether it's management. How many scouts in our building appreciated and said to me, I have never been around a head coach and a GM like yourself, uh, Thomas, at that point in Atlanta, and Dan Quinn, that made it that you know, that good to work together and we're respected. And that's what I think people, he's a respect guy, but he expects it in the other, on the other side as well. So, Thomas, you hire him, and you guys have a lot of success. You go to the Super Bowl. You're up 25 points. Everybody knows the drill. Yep. Here is the other side of it. When Kyle left, and my thought on that Falcons team was, Matt Ryan's the MVP, Kyle and that offensive staff were brilliant, Dan's a great coach, but they leave now what? And it's 24 and 29, I think it was. It was 79, 79, 0 and 5. So coach me up on that because my reservations are, well, yeah, with a great offensive staff and an MVP at quarterback, this could work. But what went wrong after that? Well, remember, and what I always say, okay, that was a tough ending in that Super Bowl. I get it. If you ever have an egregious loss like that, 
usually the next year it's and we know the the the, the data on that right you come back you never get back in the playoffs we got too deep shoulda coulda woulda if we might not have gone to Julio Jones a second or third time in that Philadelphia game, we might be up in, in Minnesota. Right. That we, game yeah. was like a goal line play, it's, right? Yeah. Yes. It, uh-huh. it kills me thinking about it because, you know, who, who knows what would have happened. Maybe we would have ended up back again. So got to give it to Dan, keeping that staff together and the, 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 the group together. That's not easy to do. That is where Dan is marvelous in my mind as well. He's going to keep people in the spot and it's again it's not feigned he's gonna he's gonna keep it right so okay then we start moving on and of course we 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 change coaches and that's one of the things without throwing darts at dirt cutter or anything like that we have a yeah, different just for side. my listeners real quick yep. so that yep. the super bowl year was kyle yep. the next year was sarkeesian yep Sark, okay right. and you guys win double digit games yep. you're in the playoffs round two yep. as you mentioned then it was cutter but so to that that was the start of the seven and nine that's so. right that's right and we we started, you know, those are tough. Those are tough times, and and sometimes, as you know, those can be a call here and there. They can be a flail of a player. Look, this is not. We look at it in so many different ways. Ultimately, a GM and a head coach are responsible for it. That's why Dan and I were called to Arthur Blank's house that first quarter of 2020 and say, "Sorry, gents, it's time to move on." And I, and at that point, I was thinking, you know what, Dan is going to get another opportunity because Dan has the ability to coach up any level in, you know, any level. I'm talking about any level of player. He's not a guy that just bonds with the star guys or just the, the blue collars. He does have a, a way with all of that. So coach you up on what happened. You know, there were myriad reasons that we started flailing again. We, you know, I'm a big believer in development, right? And development does come from a staff. So you could have a coaching staff that might not develop your players in the same way. This is not excuse laid. I raise my hand. You listen to any of my – I. I know what my job is, and we need to put the right players out there for these guys. We made a couple mistakes along the way. We, you know, we made some mistakes on our pass rush, unfortunately, right? You, you, I mean, there are some guys that we thought a lot about, and they didn't come through. We didn't get the pass rush, and that's one thing that's always surprising. We, you know, Dan Quinn was a pass rush aficionado. We draft Vic Beasley, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Won the sack title in the year we got to the Super Bowl, and then plummeted. Right. So I think there are so many different things when a coach starts losing games and you might have to pull the trigger on it as an as an owner, you know, ultimately. And we we had to do that and they had to do it with me as well. So I take my blame with him as well. Grant Danny here on the fan talking to a guy that architected six different double digit win seasons in Atlanta. Thomas Dimitrov, live from Radio Row in Las Vegas. Thomas, Dan Quinn was open about this in the process, according to some reporting, with uh, Washington doing the interview process, right? Went over kind of a, a, an autopsy, fine-tooth comb, you know, find out what I did wrong to improve upon. So we're not talking back behind someone's back. He engaged in this process himself. If you guys had a conversation, what would you go back and say, you know what, this was probably a misstep by you here with the idea that, hey, we could correct this next time in your next go-around? Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim it as a, as a team guy because I do yeah. believe in the team, the team, the team. That's not just the, the uh, uh, Schembechler quote, by the way. Y'all was, <laughs> I love that. Whenever I need motivation about being a team, I go back to that two-and-a-half-minute hit. I, I, all I would say is we were in a spot many times uh, where I think as an organization during that time, especially early on, I mean, Dan being the player coach that he was, we, we, you know, I'll use one person as an example. I mean, Julio Jones was great for us. But Julio Jones, that final contract that we signed, we were so concerned, I think, as an organization, again, raise my hand along with Dan, of trying to make him comfortable in that spot. And there's a time where you have to call out those guys, right? And I think Dan Dan learned that along the way. You have to be right about with your star players. But there's a time, 
to hold accountable. And I think those are learned lessons, of course. I also think it's the same with your coaching staff, right? You look at some of the greatest coaches out there, and they're going to hold their coaches accountable. Not only their your coordinators and their assistant coaches, but everyone, right? And if you're not doing the job as an assistant coach for Dan Quinn, Dan's a very loyal guy. But you look at Dan over the years, you know that. He made coaching changes with his coordinators. It wasn't like he was afraid to do that. But I think stepping back, he's going to look at it and how important that is to be very timely with those moves with your coaches at times. In today's not-for-long league, that happens more. You can't feel bad about it. You have to move forward. Remember in the Super Bowl now, gentlemen, we got there. Dan was calling the defense during that time. Right. We had, we had taken Richard Smith, who was a good friend of Dan's, and he had taken the play calling away from him. Dan was calling the plays down the stretch. He was relying on Kyle Shanahan, even though he's the head coach. He's relying on Kyle to make the calls, right, in the end. Was that a run, run, run kick? We would have been out the door. Yeah, you could say could have, should have, would have in that one. But, again, Dan was doing what he thought was best for the organization at the time, and it was calling the plays. Thomas Dimitrov on Grant and Danny, Sumer Sports, which I want to get to some of the things you're doing there in just a moment. But Joe Witt Jr., he was in Atlanta with Dan. At that time, I'm sure he was very low-ranking on the defensive staff, but he just was hired by the commanders to be their D.C. Are you surprised at all that Quinn has given him the play-calling responsibilities rather than keeping him, as you said, something he did before? No, I think this is another thing that he would like. I mean, I think Dan realizes, look, in the end, when, when new head coaches come in, it's their opportunity to be in control, right? Meaning, I, I'm finally at the helm. I think Dan, like any coach, as a coach, they, they really want to coach the damn team, Right. They don't want to worry about the socks, the color, the painting of the field. They want the GM to do it, and they feel a lot more comfortable doing it after they've been in the league a few more years. I think Dan's going to come in and delegate even better the second time around. He's going to be mindful of where he can delegate appropriately. And I think with this, with Joe, yeah, Joe was with us only one year, so I can't. I like Joe right, a lot. But, the very end, yeah. But, but, mm-hmm. I, but I believe he had him with Dal- and Dallas. How many years was he there at Dallas? Last three, all yeah, three. Last, yeah, three. So two top so ten secondaries. He has a great deal of respect for him, and I think he's going to come in. He'll always be the overseer in it. But I think having a guy like this that he gets along with well and communicates well with is going to be important for your team. Thomas, I know you overlapped also with Adam Peters. when I mean, he's still young and handsome now, but he was younger and <laughs> handsomer then, probably, when you guys overlapped in New England. When did you kind of know that this dude wasn't just one of the rank-and-file coaches or, or, you know, guys in the administration, that he was going to be something special? No, he's young and handsome, and I was texting him and meant to tell him, like, look, very soon you're going to move that hair that you have to gray hair because that, was, that happened to me very quickly in that position. It's rapid. Yeah. No, look, this dude, this dude from the very beginning, he was with us as a younger guy. We got along really well and communicated well. He was a football guy at the core, played at UCLA, of course. He was a guy that understood football. He was a guy that from the very beginning we knew had an eye, which was really important. You know, He wasn't a guy that was chomping at the bit and trying to do whatever he needed to do to, to, to uh, run up the rails right, and get to the top of the heap. He, he, the last thing I'll say about it, Besides many, many things that he did, he learned from Belichick. He goes to Denver. He learns from John Elway and all what's good with John, you know, on the, on the good side of Denver. He goes to John Lynch and that group down there and learns really well. He comes to the table with a really good background. He's not a guy that just kind of sifted through everything and ended up there. I, I'm, I really respect Adam. I was a big fan of yours as a GM. I love Sumer Sports and what you guys are doing. The CEO there, as we let you go, 
Um, what was the idea in kind of creating that, and, and can you tell people what Sumer's about? Yeah, so Sumer came about, it's a, it's a roster optimization tool more than you're not providing the coaches with ideas and, and game calling. That's a whole other thing. We're talking about taking all of our algorithms, all of our data, and providing the NFL, our B2B side, providing the NFL teams with an opportunity to look at draft and look at free agency and make educated, academic, appropriately academic moves that you might just do otherwise by like it's it's in my gut in today's world you can't look at an owner and tell him like i used to go to arthur blank man i just feel it's right here and he'd go okay yeah go make that call in today's world (laughs) there's no way you can do it and honestly the sons of the owners who are up and coming taking over in time they are so much more dialed into to data i tell all of my my uh my gm brethren i and and contemporaries i'm like hey you want to prolong your contracts you have to go in there with an understanding of data it doesn't have to make the call for you it's not it's not black box use it as man and machine use it as an augmentation and that's what we're doing at sumer go online we have a great game uh set up for the super bowl it's a 40 pager for it's for free look at all the data and all the great graphics we're really proud of it sumersports.com uh, oh, you got a fan of me i love it thank You're you here. thomas and thank right, you for guys. the insight on yeah. a couple guys yeah, that's great with thomas thank you that are shaping the commanders thomas dimitrov on Grant and Danny here on the fan, uh, you, you just you got to be out here to get that intel from a guy like Dimitrov, Danny, who he's with Adam Peters in New England. He's the GM who hired Dan Quinn in Atlanta, and I thought some really insightful analysis on why things went wrong there. Yeah, specifically, you heard him get into the anecdote there about Julio Jones and maybe just giving the player a little bit too much say, power, not being willing to kind of come down on a franchise guy early. That's something you learn the hard way, and you won't make that mistake again. Here, here. I mean, again, that's kind of what this is all about, right, the 2.0s. I mean, the ending wasn't good for, for either guy, right? You, you, you heard him reference it, and, of course, he was certainly humble about it. It wasn't like, that. Ah, that's someone else's fault. You know, he obviously takes ownership of those kinds of things. But people sleep. If you, if you, I'm not saying you take those years out because you don't do that. That's part of someone's record. But before those final three years of a couple seven and nines uh, and then that 0-5 start, a lot of really good results down there in Atlanta. A lot of, uh, as I said, six double-digit win seasons in 10 years and another winning record to boot. Only a couple losing records that entire time. There are a lot of franchises, including this one, that would kill for that kind of run of success. So to have somebody that had that track record passes the torch then to, to Dan Quinn and have that kind of continue culminating with them getting in the Super Bowl and being, as he said, one run-run kick away from winning the damn thing, you know, that, uh, that carries some weight with me. Grant and Danny on the fan. I'm out here at Radio Row. Danny's in D.C. Big game coverage on the fan is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. We have not engaged you guys yet, so let's try to do that next on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You just heard Dimitrov talking about his former head coach, Dan Quinn. What are you most confident in when it comes to Quinn, and what are you most nervous about? As far as that hire and him as the head coach moving forward of your commanders. You're listening to Grant and Danny. It is Super Bowl week on the fan. Top of the hour at four in 35 minutes ahead of the Beltway Blitz. We'll give away those Caps tickets. we got a pair of them. you got to be listening right at 4 o'clock ahead of the Blitz. We will give those Caps tickets away 
today. The game is on the 20th. They're back in action tonight, as a matter of fact. Capital One Arena against Montreal. They're winning two tickets to see them take on the Devils in the Josh Harris Bowl. I'm feeding for a little Caps hockey. In fact, I believe I'll be watching a good portion of that game at a sports book out here. I may even wager on an Alex Ovechkin goal to get the second half started, Daniel. It'd be nice if he would were to do that. It'd be nice if you hit that bet. I would like everything about that. Uh, they need to start making up some ground if they're going to have the season. It, to, me, to me, right now, these next couple of weeks, Jeeps, they're at a crossroads. This is Correct. like, do you start to gear up towards the future? Which, right now, that's kind of my lean. Uh, I know Ovechkin, probably part of the agreement and everything else, was we don't want to go through a rebuild. And no one's allowed to say the word rebuild, by the way, apparently in all of D.C. sports. But you don't want to do that. Well, you could certainly position yourself for better next year um at, at the trade deadline this year if, if they don't sort of start to make up ground in a crowded eastern conference yeah here's what i think is the complication for them if things go well in the next couple of weeks you could talk yourself into not only as you said having a season having a playoff push adding assets at the deadline with the money that has been created by nicholas backstrom not being on the active roster the flip side of that though is if you are playing poorly you got to go talk to alex ovechkin yep. and you know, somebody listening who is annoyed by the fact that the the record in Ovechkin is kind of taking precedent over everything else, you'll have to sit this conversation out. You know, the grown-ups are talking. <laughs> this is a big deal, yeah. and it's a you know he's been here his entire career, and this is the way that they've decided to go. We all know the score here. But last year they went to him and they said, "Here's what we're doing," and they told him the way it was described to me. You know, we're going to make a couple of these moves. We think it's going to position us better next year and in the years ahead as things are going off the rails. And they end up trading Orlov and Hathaway. You remember how that went. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, how many years do you go to Ovechkin in a row where you told him we're not going to be rebuilding and say, hey, we might actually trade a couple of pieces again? How does he respond? So it is complicated, and it's a it's a tough needle to thread if you're Brian McClellan, uh, clearly. But game tonight, you can hear it right here on the fan just after 7 o'clock. Uh, and... I'm looking forward to seeing how they kick off the post-All-Star break. Obviously, unfortunately, sans Evgeny Kuznetsov. Danny, the question we posed, and we'll take some calls on this, at 800-636-1067. We just talked to Thomas Dimitrov, who hired Dan Quinn in Atlanta, was with him every single day that he was the head coach with the Falcons. They got fired together after an 0-5 start in Quinn's final season. What are you most excited about specific to Quinn, and what are you most nervous about or what bothers you? about him moving forward. So why don't we start, let's be positive. The thing that you're happiest about or that you're most sure goes well under Quinn is what? There's a humility here that I don't think Ron Rivera possessed. There, there's a, I know what I did wrong the first time and I can't wait to do better this time. Whereas Ron just walked everybody back. He, who Were you in Carolina for my failed coaching regime? Just come on by. That's not what Dan Quinn's doing. I know he's bringing Joe Britt from Dallas. Well, the, the secondary in Dallas, among the league leaders in interceptions over the last three seasons, including one league lead uh, a couple of years ago. So, yes, please, you should bring competent people with you, uh, not just guys that are readily available from Carolina where you just got blown out and fired. So that, to me, is the most encouraging part of all of this, is that you get a guy who's done it and is not just going to do it the exact same way all over again. My area for Dan Quinn that I'm most excited about, I'm actually going to go football and X's and O's a little bit, so to speak. I think he's going to get more out of the young defensive players than Rivera did. I think this is a really good thing for their secondary specifically. And I'm not just going to say Quinn, but it's Quinn and it's also Joe Witt. But Emmanuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Just, Derek Forrest, 
not the guy from DC News Now that we inter- interview with different person once a week, but the football player. Um, Cam Curl, if he's still here, uh, Christian Holmes. Like, they have a lot of young, decent pieces in the secondary. Percy Butler, fourth-round pick going into his third year. I think Joe Witt has proven he gets a lot out of players. He gets more out of than you expect, right? He's had the NFL leader in picks two of the last three years, a couple top ten secondaries in a row. I'm not telling you all those guys are excellent or really good or they hit on all those picks or anything, but I think there's more there for those guys. Quan Martin, second-round pick last year, came on strong. I didn't mention him. There's enough youth in that secondary between Quinn and Witt that I actually think at specifically that position they're going to be really, really good in helping tap into more of that unearthed potential. So I'm excited about that. I think you could extrapolate that out, by the way, to like Jamin Davis at linebacker and some other players as well because I just think they're going to be really well coached defensively. So that's what I'm excited about. What I'm nervous about, you know, it's it's the dead horse I've beaten. It, it is the idea that you set yourself up to be in flux offensively, uh, whether that means that Kingsbury just isn't that great or if he is and then he leaves – it's the cycle starting every couple of years. Here we go of trying to find your coordinators. That will be my greatest fear, and I hope I'm wrong, and, and I hope that Quinn's here for 10 years and Kingsbury's here for the first six, and then he promotes some guy under him for the next four, and they never miss a beat. Um, that just hasn't been the way of the league here recently. But that would be my anxiety about going this way. Yeah, my nerves are that it's not innovative, that it's not the kind of thing that becomes the new rage in the NFL, right? First it was – uh, McVeigh, then it was the Shanahan tree, or you know, you could pick your order of operations there. Now it's you know whatever Ben Johnson's doing on offense. This is stuff we've seen, stuff that's been tried, stuff that's fine, but there's not greatness here. That's my worry is that the ceiling is lower than it might have been with a guy that admittedly wouldn't have a track record. It would be more risky. That's my fear here, and uh, you know the only the only way to, to cure that is to have months and seasons of you know excellent offense of defenses that do did what they did in Dallas, taking the football away and not just shrinking in some of the big games. So. There's no way to, to assuage those fears at a press conference in February or fix it in a draft. It's kind of proof will be in the pudding along the way, but uh, that is my worry. Let's go to the phones. MGM National Harbor listener lines are open for you. Shane is in Virginia. Shane, what about Quinn excites you the most? What makes you the most nervous? Commander Danny and Grant. Hey, it's Ron Rivera. Same, it's Ron Rivera, point two zero. That's That's the same guy, same mannerism. It's the same. That's what's going to scare me the most. Uh, what's going to excite me is the offensive coordinator he brought in. Uh, uh, I think it's an upgrade from Eric the Enemy. Uh, you know, I, good luck to Eric the Enemy. I mean, good luck to him. What he's going to do? Maybe he'll be on uh, uh, prime staff uh, this time. Who knows? But you know, the biggest thing right now is this is a player's coach. You heard from the players that have coached. I mean, just played underneath him. That this guy they'll play for them, and that's the biggest thing. I think at the end of the year. The players quit on Ron Rivera. That's obvious. You saw it, and 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 that's what I believe. I think he's, he's a. He's, and I know people hate that saying, but that is a true saying. A leader of men is a true saying, uh, and 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 he is one of them. And he's respected in the league. That's, that's enough said. I think this is a good step forward. Thanks, buddy. Let's Thanks, go to Robert, Shane. who's in Arlington, giving us a call on Grant and Danny. Most excited about, no, most nervous about with Dan Quinn. Uh, most excited about the experience. And what he did in Seattle and what he's done on defense in Dallas in a tough situation. The thing I'm most worried about is offensive side of the ball. They draft a quarterback. They do something else. Kingsbury doesn't look like he has his act together for some reason by midseason. 
what do they do? Is this guy going to be able to make a decision on that? Or is that something where he and Peters are stuck? You know, he's had some problems on offense before um, with the personnel and the coaches. And so what does he do? It's a good phone call. Thank you, buddy. Danny, there's, look, there's a million paths this could take. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to say it's one of these two extremes. But there's a couple of possibilities to the far end of each side of the spectrum here with Kingsbury and the rookie where, you know, you could fast forward to right now, 365 days from now, Super Bowl week next year, and we're looking at either May or Daniels at number two, having had this splendid season and Kingsbury being the talk of the the town, and he's slowick where he took some interviews but maybe didn't get the job and he's still here, right? I guess hypothetically he could have gotten a head coaching job because it went so well. And, you know, he knows Sean McVay, and he looks the part, and so he got another job. But there's another side to that where, you know, we, we find out, like, the quarterback didn't have a great season, and then the stories come out that maybe Kingsbury wasn't putting him in the best situation, and you're a year into that contract, and we're going, oh, boy. I mean, I'm not saying one of those two things is definitively going to happen, mm-hmm. but they are among the possibilities here. Well, the the truth is always is in between, right? We, we did this a million times over, totally different debate and discussion, but remember, one of the axioms I went by when they were doing this franchise tag thing with Kirk Cousins for all those years, right? If he's bad, problem solved. You had a one-year deal, you get out of it. If he's great, problem solved. You pay him no matter what. Well, what do you do if he's pretty good? Then you get this stupid nonsense that we dealt with for, for years and years. Like, there's if there's eye of the beholder stuff here, where if they're not a top-five offense, uh, they're they're like... 14th or 15th and there's good moments for the rookie but there's plenty of bad also you're always going to sort of you know have to try to pry that stuff apart and kind of figure it out that's usually where we end up right where there's no definitive one way or the other with the exception of a few teams that have you know royalty at quarterback and you know established head coach you get your Peyton Breeze type pairing but if it's if it's great problem solved it's awesome if it's bad we know what to do we act accordingly right it's that in between stuff where you know you're always trying to figure out where the blame should lie. And I'm hoping that this Harris ownership group here plays an essential part to say, fail away this year. Fail away. I know the fans don't want to hear it. I know it's not as exciting. I know we're not going to sell more tickets that way. But we're not rushing to to deliver the dinner a year before it's it, it should be ready, if that's what it takes. Now, if you, if, you, if you have a metric where you go, I'm going to walk into free agency, spend a bunch of money, I'll get you a left tackle, a center, and a left guard, get you a tight end in the draft uh, and, and a pass rusher or two here or there, we can go in this division next year. If that's the metric that you're judging by, we'll judge accordingly. But if it's a, hey, we got to do some tearing down before we start to build up, then we should judge there as well. Let's go to Vic, who's in Akakik waiting patiently. Vic, you're on G&D. How you feeling? What's up, guys? Hey, Vic. So this is him, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Dan Quinn both. Uh, I still have had times when they are too much of a player's coach. And you either lose the locker room or you lose a significant uh, uh, influence of of a player in the locker room. Uh, Kyler Murray, obviously, with Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, And I'm not not sure about – I know we talked talked about Julio Jones with Dan Quinn, but I felt he lost the locker room after the Super Bowl debacle, which is somewhat understandable, but I, I still don't accept it. Um, I do think Dan can coach because he went from one and seven to seven and nine, and that's not easy to get that many wins when you when you're, you're already picked to die if you've lost that many games at the beginning of the season. So what I'm confident in because uh, he has an afterlife in the NFL, which so many coaches do, Cliff Clinkberry, Cliff, Cliff as well, mm-hmm. that he's not going to make the same mistakes twice. He's going to say to himself, 
I have to I have to have the same level of relatability and understand uh, understanding um, and reach uh, for the players to uh, care for uh, care about what they do and me to care about them. But I have to have a firm level of accountability as well. I'll leave with this. I will always respect the Jimmy Johnson way because Jimmy Johnson did it the right way and we saw what the results were. And Jimmy Johnson was a player's coach, but he said, doggone, you're going to do your job. Appreciate you, Thanks, buddy. Thanks, bud. It's a good phone call. Uh, I hope that as we get deeper into this thing, Danny, that what we find out is that Dan Quinn is, in fact, a player's coach. But if Thomas Dimitrov, who suggested that part of the problem was late, some of those leaders kind of ran things to an extent that Quinn won't or shouldn't allow them to in his second go-round. I, th- I hope he's learned that lesson, that he can be able to straddle the line a little better of players love him, coaches love him because he's a, a dude, you, he's a good hang, everyone wants to be around, but he also can kick in the butt when need be. Yep. And Dimitrov said that he could do that, but it sounds like maybe as time went on, as he got more comfortable, there was a little bit less of that. Our double play is next. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. We're blitzing at 4 o'clock in 20 minutes. That's when we're giving away Caps tickets. Danny is in D.C. I am in Vegas at Radio Row. This is Grant and Danny. Big game coverage on 106.7 The Fans presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. Grant and Danny coming to you live today. Danny in D.C. I'm out here in Super Bowl 58, Mandalay Bay Convention Center, Radio Row. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, official sponsor of the show. They will help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Go schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys and visit kmlawyers.com for information. Mention G&D and get that discount, kmlawyers.com. It is time for our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Danny, I thought it was going to happen. I was so nervous, anxious, and worried. I got on my plane. Yeah. Window seat guy. You know this about me. I do know it. I don't want to sit on the aisle and be asked because someone has to go to the bathroom to wake up or have to deal with them getting up and down. All i got to walk around. My legs are cramping up. I want to be up against the window, do my camel bit where I don't go to the bathroom. I just five and a half hours. I don't move. I sit down. I'm in 21F, I think it was. Okay. Three rows in front of me to the left. We're taxiing out. We're not, well, I guess we haven't even left yet. We're, we're, everyone's loading up. And this guy stands up and starts screaming. I'm not going to sit in this bleeping seat for five and a half hours with a bleeping dog barking next to me. And a little old lady had just gotten on the plane with a little dog and a little carrier that uh. was putting under her seat. And it was like yapping, I guess. Yeah, of course it was. And this guy starts freaking out and screaming. And all I could think about was you and I, we didn't do it this time for some reason, but just about every time I've had a flight since COVID, my, what is my biggest fear? That the, the YouTube viral yep. clip of the guy who's a screaming crazy person that everyone has on every flight they've ever been on? That lady from Texas talking about, like, ghosts and real people <laughs> or not or whatever. Yeah, Whatever that is, yep. I don't know why, but since COVID, 
You know, people say kids don't know how to act anymore, and at schools they don't have recess and all this stuff. Neither do grown-ups. They can't do anything anymore. And I'm always worried because there's nowhere to go on a plane. If I'm in public, I could just leave this person and never see them again. And on a plane, we just have to deal with this guy. He starts screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm serious. It was petrifying. He, I'm not going to do it for five and a half hours. Have to come over and talk to him. Now, I, I never heard a peep from the guy the rest of the flight. So my, my inhibitions and my fears were quelled as, as we kind of took off. But they basically moved him. And what I was going to do was just volunteer. Be like, hey, man, I'll trade with you. I'm only getting you four rows away from the dog. But if, if your issue is just that you don't want a dog next to you and you're not going to ruin my time and make me feel anxiety for the rest of the flight that we're going to end up on some clip, just go trade with me. But I also kind of didn't want to engage with him at all. Yeah, how do you, yeah. then then you got to involve. Like, we just switched, actually. I, I, I have my seat with me, and maybe I left it back there. My carry-on's two rows back. Yeah, well, that's annoying. But having to – because, like, you have a mutant ability for people that don't know. Even with a little yapping dog yapping away right next to you, you'd still fall asleep. You'd still a be lot. asleep the entire trip. So it's, slept, you could sit against whatever. I think I slept the first three and a half hours of the flight. I got up, and I think it was about two hours left of airtime. It's just incredible. Now, that's unusual. Usually it's, welcome to Las Vegas, and then you get up. Like, once, flight, once it stops. Wasn't that tired, and it was a long flight, so those two things were working against me. Also, at one point, <laughs> this is not a bit. I probably should have led with this. The guy next to me spilled a cup of nuts all over me. There you go. Yeah. So thank God it, I wasn't Garrus. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. But he had a cup of, it wasn't just peanuts. It was like. Mixed nuts? Whatever the brown nuts are. Yeah. It was a, like various Almonds, types of some nuts. macadamia. And why he, it was like a cup from home. I don't know what exactly the whole deal oh, was. Oh, yeah. One of those guys. And at one point he like double, double caught it and spilled it all over me. And I kind of woke up and. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's fine. He was like, he started to try to like pick one off don't, my No, no, don't do that. And I'm like, dude, I'll just, I'll just stand up. You know? I'll get like, it. Yep. We'll just sweep them onto the floor, man. It's going to be fine. Find something to catch these with. Uh, so you don't know how it was resolved with the guy yelling at the, the, the person who brought their dog? Well, he moved. I mean, they, they, I didn't hear from him the rest of the oh, show. Okay. No, no issues, but he moved for sure. Man, I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I don't like anybody involved there. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I the 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 well, dude I, yelling. I think the guy's the bad guy. Clearly, he's he's the worst guy. But again, the the little yell yelping lap uh, uh, barky dog on the uh, on a plane to Vegas. I don't know. Doesn't really seem like we need to do that. Maybe she's headed home. Got to take the dog home. Mm. Why'd you travel with the dog in the first place? You know what I mean? Like that's one of those I can't like don't help bring. You with that. That's one of those like don't bring the dog kind of situations to me. But uh, yeah, and if, and if you can't travel without the dog, then maybe you can't travel. Just uh, just one man's opinion. I thought though, I, I was like, oh no. You thought of me, yeah. Danny and I have been. <laughs> we have talked about this. This is going to happen for sure. And then uh, it worked out. Time for Danny's double play. GP, the purple team this weekend was actually favored. Uh, two and a half point favorites against Lime. This was a war. This game was a battle. Purple jumped out, huge lead at halftime, up 12, which in these uh, you know, third and fourth grade games, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. You're usually that not feels gonna... insurmountable. Yeah, that's normally the way that it would go. Well, third quarter happens. We got one meltdown from one of the players on Purple. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but you've met him many times. Uh, all three of you guys have. Well, and I've you know only him. met one of the players on your team. Yep. Anyway, uh, that person... As he's being coached, does the 
me, 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 like face that kids do to parents when they don't like being told something. And then he made the like the alligator mouth to me. See what I'm saying? So like he mimicked what I was saying, like where it was, hey, move your, like he gets a foul called. And I said, the player's name, I'm not going to name him. You got to move your feet. If you reach across like that, it'll be a foul. And he looks at me and goes, me, 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 and like does that thing with the mouth. And I'm kind of going, okay, well, they're, the other team's making a run. Uh, we're now only up three. You just did that to me. I'm not really sure. I, I still have to coach the team. Like, I'm not sure what to do here. Uh, so, at the end of the, the – You should the, talk to the kid's parents. Yeah, yeah. You we, should talk to his dad. A good conversation was had uh, with um, uh, uh, the spouse in the mirror. And uh, anyway, so he, it, so the player then, then says, and I quote, I don't want to play. Okay? I guess we can handle that. We'll do a substitution and kind of figure the rest out. But we didn't get – the purple team did not get a single – rebound in the third quarter. Oh, boy. Now, I, I, and you're going, oh, Danny, what do you mean? They out-rebounded you? This was Wizards-esque. Was we didn't say, get a single rebound. I didn't know the Wizards were purple. hey Zingers, I ams. I mean, like, you're going to go on, oh, okay, there are probably some missed shots. There were 15 missed shots by both teams in, in the quarter. We didn't get a single rebound. They claw back the game. The fans are pounding, you know, the, the chairs, the coaches, the bench is going crazy because the run happens. They come storming back. Fourth quarter goes around. Purple boys are rattled a little bit, GP. They're rattled right there, okay? They had a commanding lead. They thought it was over. Foot off the gas. You got one player melting down. Another player is kind of like breathing heavy. He's not really sure what to do. We calm him down. Assistant coach kind of picks off a couple different guys that are, that are in the moment. Everybody else kind of comes together before the fourth quarter. Look up the scoreboard. This is, what if I told you before the game started, you'd be up three heading into the fourth quarter. You'd take that every time. You've earned this lead. Now go earn this victory. Purple nurples on three. One, two, three, purple nurples. 30-22 final. The point is, sometimes you need these two. Sometimes you need these kinds of tests to emerge as a champion. Purple lads are four and two now. Okay, a couple really tough losses. They lost to red in overtime. They lost to yellow where the kid had 34. I don't know what you do. Get a hand in his face all you want. Sometimes that kid's going for 34. But they fought, GP. They fought. Sounds like coach coached him up late. I'm not telling. Again, we're not naming any names. But I know what happened. I think we got a coach of the year candidate brewing in the, what are we calling this? The Mantua Youth Basketball Association. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the 9 and 10-year-old kids league. Right. <laughs> That's just uh, one school. <laughs> luckily, this is, you're not going to believe this. This is my year to cast a ballot in coach of the year. For that league. Well, as a Northern Virginia Hall of Famer, you have the right to do so, I believe. True. Yeah. I, uh, I, last year, I had the MVP vote. Yep. And that was, that was an easy vote. Yes, it was. There was a kid that dropped 30 every game. Yeah, the kid this had 56 year, in the championship game, by the way. I'm going to say that again. He had 56 in the championship game. Uh, this year, I got Coach of the Year vote. So, I'm not saying I'm giving it to you, but you're, you are on my radar officially I, now. I'm in the running. Listen, when Yellow goes undefeated, and they, they only might lose when the kid that's the MVP isn't there. Yeah. He's Coach of the Year. I mean, he'll end up winning it because they're going to have – they're going to be the one seed, have no losses. What's know. the lady's name that runs zone? Is that Deb or Sue? No, she doesn't run She doesn't run zone. Yeah, that, you, you no, claim she no, ran zone. No, 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 no. Now you're trying, to get, you're trying to start a feud. You're trying what to get, was her name? It's not, dude, I'm not, I'm not doing this with you. You're trying to start a feud. I won't have that happen. They beat us. They were better than us. They deserve to beat us. That's what happened. That's what happened. Write that not down. The story. That's not the yarn you were spinning the next day. I'll Listen, tell you that. I, heat of the moment. We say things as competitors. I'm telling you what happened. The red team deserved to beat us, and they'd probably beat us again if we played tonight. We're going to preview Super Bowl 58 next hour with Solomon Wilcott out here on Radio Row, which will be fun. 425. 
former Falcons head coach who preceded Dan Quinn, knows him well. Mike Smith is stopping by at 5 o'clock as well. But our Beltway Blitz is next on Grant and Danny. You are listening live to the fan. Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. Congrats. You're winning two tickets to see the Capitals against the Devils. Tuesday, February 20th, Capital One Arena. Tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com. Grant and Danny, welcome you back. I am in Vegas at Mandalay Bay Convention Center at Radio Row. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. We'll cover the Wizards and the Commanders, but we got to start on the ice. Begin with the Caps and John Walton, the voice of the Capitals. You can hear John Walton tonight right here on the fan just after 7 o'clock as they take on Montreal. Uh, John, let's start with Yevgeny Kuznetsov. Obviously, we're thinking about him and his family. Really uh, unfortunate, sad, disappointing news. But also from the Capitals' standpoint, it's a pretty big deal. They're losing one of their top centers. He was not having a particularly productive season, but he's a huge piece to the puzzle. Break it down for us. Yeah, it's obviously, you know, our, we're a big Caps family here and very, you know, it's tough to hear the news about him, and we certainly wish him and his family well. I think from the on the ice perspective, as you said, I think there's a lot to look at here. Who picks up the slack? And I think... I mean, Michael Scarbosa is going to slot in that spot tonight. Coming up from Hershey, he's had an outstanding year with the Bears. He's a veteran guy. He's got some NHL experience. Uh, we hope that that is something that he's able to translate at this level. I think when you look at a guy like Dylan Strom, who's had a terrific year to this point, the next goal he gets is going to be the 20th of the year. I'm anxious to see if he can't do a little more playmaking, Grant, in the second half and down the stretch here, and since he's paired alongside Alex Ovechkin, I think that could be good on a couple of different fronts. If he's able to get the puck to Alex and he's able to put the uh, put the puck in with a little bit more regularity, then I think that can be a plus. But obviously it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild on the fly down the middle, uh, and where does uh, does Nick Dowd get more ice time as, you know, offensively and with all the D zone draws, perhaps his minutes ramp up a little bit. Connor McMichael certainly is going to get a look here and we'll get a chance to kind of get back on the horse offensively. Spencer Carberry said today he's liked the way he's played. He's been solid. That was the, the, uh, the word that the coach used, but he hasn't done a lot offensively lately. And I think that's something they need to look for as well. John, a bit of a crossroads here, I would say. Just by my count, I think it's either 13 or 14 games until the trade deadline in uh, you know, the end of the first week of March. And you're really talking about, you know, maybe 10, 12 games where you're kind of kind of know which way is our season going this year, right? In terms of, hey, we've made a run in the Eastern Conference. Now let's add versus it's probably smarter to prioritize for the future a, lot, a bit what they did last year. It's a big stretch for this club. Yeah, you're exactly right, Danny. I mean, in this week especially, I mean, once you get through tonight, this Montreal team, with all due respect, 
is a team that Washington has to beat. Uh, they are down on their luck. They've lost four or five. They are well outside the playoff race. And they are, if there is a gimme, and there are no gimmies in the NHL, but when you look at what is to come, starting in Florida against the Eastern Conference champs of last year and the Panthers on Thursday night, go to Boston and see the Atlantic Division leaders and the best overall record in the league a year ago in the Bruins. And then 22 hours later, you've got to come home and face the number one team in the league in Vancouver. To your point, they're going to have a pretty good idea, I think, come Sunday because they don't have the option where they are in the standings. You basically have to be at a 100-point pace the rest of the way to give yourself a shot at the eighth spot. They have not really been at that pace yet. They need to now against tough competition. You need points this week. You can't go over. You can't do what you did on the road trip where you got one win or one point, rather, out of a possible eight. You need maybe five, six out of eight. You've got to get two of those tonight, get a couple of wins. You're not going to win them all, but you've got to win a couple of them uh, just to kind of put the Eastern Conference on notice. Look, the Caps aren't going to roll over here, uh, but that has to happen. You can't have another 0 for week this week. If five games from now they've ripped off eight points or something, they've won four out of five, and they're playing good hockey, how'd they do it? Like, write that script for me. Well, it starts with goaltending, and I talked with Spencer Carberry for our show tonight, and the thing that I thought was very interesting, and where they were in November and December within they were winning games, but in January where they weren't is that they were trying to score more goals and were spending so much time trying to squeeze the sticks and come up with, Hey, maybe we can get three or four tonight instead of one or two or three, which has been customary. They haven't scored a lot this year, obviously, but they were comfortable winning two to one games in November. And they got away from that in January. And one of the messages that the coach has given to the team and he told with us for the pregame show tonight was, We've got to be comfortable winning those games. Look, we're not going to score five, six good. This isn't the caps of 10 years ago. You, you've got to be able to be comfortable in those uncomfortable situations. You've got to win. Look, two goals might be enough. You went two to one. What do you care? As long as it's two points, that's what you've got to do. And good goaltending, obviously, Charlie Lindgren will go tonight. And being able to not only get the goaltending, get the defense, we've seen a lot of it. We've seen a little bit of a rotation in the decor, but those are the kind of games this team has to win. They are not built to win six to five, they're just not. But that doesn't mean they can't win games and they can win it in the way they were doing it in the first half of the season prior to, say, Christmas time. That's their road back. That's how they get wins in February. That's how they get back toward the eighth spot of the East. John, thank you as always, my friend. Have a great call tonight. Thanks, fellas. Man, enjoy Vegas. We will see you. Thanks, buddy. Hit that uh, basketball center, please. When the Wizards play, this guy talks about it. Dave Johnson, play-by-play voice of your Washington Wizards, back in action tomorrow evening. Dave, all of a sudden, this kind of crept up on me. NBA trade deadline is a couple of days away. What are you expecting? You know, uh, that's a question for where you are in Las Vegas or where Grant is. Or <laughs> that's a Vegas question because uh, – but the, you, you feel that anticipation or, or that bubbling just because certainly, you know, we're surrounded by it uh, given the situation and, and there it seems like there's always some kind of – uh, a story that well this player's inter- this team's interested in this where's their player or, or, or vice versa but uh, look I, i've learned a long time ago uh, as we've talked about this before until something happens uh, I, I just don't even think about it but uh, it's certainly on players minds this week and it always is uh, every year and and uh, you know anything is possible how's that for uh, you bring me on the air to state the obvious but i, I didn't want to disappoint uh <laughs> But, I, again, I'll give the Kristaps Porzingis trade as an example. I did not see that coming at all. So the point is, 
for all the stuff you read or think might happen, it, it can also just be something that you didn't hear about it. So it, it, it's the next few days, you know, everybody's checking their phones and they're, they're listening to the radio and they're listening to Grant and Danny uh, to find out what the heck is going on. Dave, Brad Beal came back. Wizards got blown out by Phoenix, 140-112, to 112, and, and he scored 43. I'm more curious about just, not, if you want to give me a thought on the performance, great, but the environment and kind of the reception for him. No, it was it, it was very nice. And look, 11 seasons, some some uh, great memories. Uh, and uh, again, these are we, we, I talk about it all the time. But uh, it, it's part of of, uh, of the the business, if you will, that the players at some point move on, and uh, certain players really contribute, uh, you know, so much to to that that memory you have of your of your favorite team if it's if it's the wizards and it's it's emotional and and you can say well i was you know that, that night when uh you know bradley beal hit that shot and i was there with my girlfriend or whatever the the memory is uh and so it was a nice reception and you know what I, it was also a nice tribute on the video scoreboard and and you can tell he appreciated it and you know what he he showed his appreciation by scoring 43 and and that's not a, I don't want that to sound the way maybe it did sound it there's a there's a part that we're we're happy for him not not that we wanted him to torch the wizards but we want him to do well in in his future uh success because he was a, a big part of our success uh for a long time and it's good to see him healthy and it's good to see him uh, uh happy because yeah, he's playing on the other team now, but but we want his his journey to continue to be a, a successful one because you know what, he was a part of our journey for a long time. Dave, I love seeing Bilal Kulabali get the start uh, against Phoenix. Not his best game. That's not going on the highlight reel uh, over the course of the year. Held scoreless. Uh, you know, cracked the score sheet with a turnover and one rebound. But again, I, I like him getting experienced against a team like that. Having you know, looking over one way, it's Bradley Beal. Looking the other way, it's Devin Booker. And then you look behind you. Oh God, it's Kevin Durant. It just you know, that's life at the top of this league, and you got to be able to c- compete against those guys too. I thought it was good for him. No, it was, and it, and look, and, and of course he got to start last week, and he scored 19 points mm-hmm. in, in uh, a game against the Clippers, and and he was wishing that Paul George also had played in that game because it seemed like he, you know, guarded everybody else. And we we said on the broadcast all the time, it just these are these are just wonderful moments. This rookie is getting this time on the court, and yeah. There, there's, you know, sequences where he has success. And then, yeah, there's sequences where the veteran, whoever, because he, he can guard multiple players with his athleticism. And there's sequences where they get the better of him. But there's sequences also where, uh, you know, a veteran thinks, well, wait a minute, I can, I can take ball and I'm trying to think of a player, but then he just swipes it away uh, with the steal. The, these are moments uh, that if you're a Wizards fan, you know, watching and listening, you're, you're, you're banking them because you know, this is what we're going to continue uh, to see the future, and 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 with more more consistency uh, in the future. It's 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 happening uh, for, for this young player. He's it's not just a rising star NBA game. We knew that. We know. I know in in my heart and fiber and soul that we've got a rising star because he has the personality, uh, the temperament, and and oh by the way, what you really need in the NBA is talent, and it, it's it's coming. And I. I can't wait to see Blaw Kulabali in two years. Uh, well, I can't wait to see him Wednesday, quite frankly, because every game he does <laughs> you know, something where you just say, ah, wow, that's new. Or, or I can see that. 
uh, it, it's coming from. And that's, that's where we are. That's where we are as, as, a, as a team. We're, we're, we're celebrating uh, small moments because this is, as we know, not a season of big victories. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Well, I'm in Vegas, so 7 o'clock east, I suppose. I, I've, I've officially become a Vegas guy now, as you can tell, Dave. 48 uh, hours, that's uh, it. Exactly. Uh, they are taking on the Cavs at Cap One Arena. What do we need to know about the matchup? Well, I, look, the Cavaliers are, are – and, and, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff has is, is just done a, a terrific job with that team. And that's uh, – again, when we see teams like the Cavs come to town, that, that's, a, that's an example – that okay, you you make a right move. You get a you know they they Donovan Mitchell became such a part of their factor, but it wasn't just that. Uh, it, it's it's how they constructed that team is uh, to a point where now they're they're a contender. And and so when when I see teams like the Cavs or as we talked about Oklahoma City, Orlando come to town, I'm thinking, you know this this is this is the 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 model uh, that that we want to want to create the culture that we're working to create uh, with the Washington Wizards. So. Uh, what you want to see the Wizards, you know, uh, uh, since this past week, they, they have been more physical on defense. Uh, and, I, again, this is about that, that magic of a, of, a, of a new voice. It's not that Wes Unsell Jr. didn't have the coaching acumen. He does. It just it, it's the nature also the journey you're on when, when you get into a malaise of losses. Sometimes you do need a new voice. And um, I, I think, as Denny Abdi pointed out, you know they were they're relying less on on help defense, uh, and and you know that's where better defense has to start. You have to be <laughs> strong guarding your man. It's not all about schemes and help and this and that. It's it's about that's the first principle being uh, principle in being a better defensive team. So uh, Phoenix is is not a fair team to assess. Are we getting better defensively? You know, but we were. And the Wizards were when you, when you could see really the, the past week leading up to the Phoenix game. It's not necessarily it's a a, a a bad game against Phoenix. It's just uh, come on, it's Booker, it's Durant, it's Beal. Who are you going to guard? So move on. Now let's see tomorrow. We've had competitive games with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, it's at home. Let, let's take advantage and you know get a win and uh, yeah, we'll see what else happens this week because we are in the the middle of the the bubbling trade deadline week. Dave, thank you as always, man. Have a great call tomorrow. Always appreciate it. Thanks. We'll see you, my friend. Hit the sounder for the Local 53, please. Our guy Scott Abraham, ABC 7 News, locally right chat in town. Scott, the dust has kind of settled. The staff is starting to be assembled. Just give me right now your 30,000-foot view of the Dan Quinn era has begun. Your thoughts? Hey, you won the press conference, guys. I mean, so far, yeah. so good. Said all the right things. I appreciated his passion, his energy. Uh, I also really loved the, the kind of the gratitude of, you know, he's getting his second chance to be a head coach in the NFL. He wants to be in Washington. He wants to be part of the solution. They got, got a lot of work ahead of them. He didn't shy away from that. He learned from his mistakes from Atlanta, and I think we're going to get the best version of Dan Quinn. What do you think of his coordinating hires? Uh, I like him. I think, you know, reading the tea leaves, I know you can speculate with Cliff Kingsbury and how he worked with Caleb Williams at USC. Could that be a possibility? It's certainly Intriguing and exciting potentially that maybe Caleb's in play now uh, where Washington has their ace up their sleeve with Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, in terms of the defensive side, Joe Witt Jr., uh, copycat of um, Dan Quinn. They work together in Dallas. So what you see with Dallas and the Seattles and the Atlantas and the framework that Quinn built with the Cowboys and those franchises on the defensive side of the ball, 
Joe Witt Jr. is going to have that as well and bring that to Washington. I'm just excited about the track record that a Dan Quinn-led defense has had where they are ball hawks, they get takeaways, they cause turnovers. That's something this defense desperately needs uh, in the coming years. Scott, should we care about how it happened? Like, in other words, you know, they, they could have hired Dan Quinn if they were all steamed up for him three weeks ago, the way that, you know, a couple candidates dropped out, and then Dan Quinn leaves on a commercial flight. It just didn't look like the way it normally looks when this is our guy. We, he can't miss. We have to have him. It looks different than the, like it did for the seven other teams that made hires before Washington did. Should we care about how? The fan base should care, but right now, guys, it's time to move forward. Uh, you, know, you can't really look in the past. And Dan Quinn uh, is the guy in charge. And what I've been telling fans on my programs on television, it's, it's going to be a process. You got, you got to give this group, new GM, new owner, new head coach, some grace. There's going to be a honeymoon period. I'm not expecting a turnaround in year one. I mean, Houston Texans, they showed it can be done. D'Amico Ryan's defensive-minded coach, they found the right offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. Obviously, they got the quarterback. Can that happen here in Washington? Certainly. Uh, but I think things are going in the right direction, and I just think the fan base needs to have some patience uh, and get behind these guys. And that's their job now is to win games and, and win football games consistently. Scotty, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you as always. See you, fellas. Take care. That is your Beltway Blitz on the Capitals, the Wizards, and the Commanders here on Grant and Danny. Danny, a couple tables away, I'm looking at Carrot Top. Okay. He does not look like he slept a lot last night. I'll start with that. Mm. Um, so that's number one. Okay. That's an aside. I shouldn't have said that. Number two, <laughs> I, I, am, said that. I am amazed by some of these people who do shows in Vegas for years on end. Uh huh. So I, I, did I say this on the radio to you yesterday? I, I've told everyone this that I've talked to, so if I did, I apologize. I was in the back of a cab. I grabbed a little booklet for the month of January, which is now dated. All I want is a book for February. No one seems to have one, but that's another problem. Um, so I'm, I'm thumbing through it. And like David Copperfield, as an example, seven days a week, yep. shows at 7 and 10. Saturdays, he has a show at 4 as well. So he's just doing shows. I, and I don't know what his tale, what his show entails. I know that he's a you know magician, and I'm sure it's somewhat physical and whatever, but He's doing like 90-minute or two-hour shows probably with an intermission or whatever it is twice a day, every day. I, I can't stop talking about this. Uh, someone like Carrot Top, I don't know what his show is. To be, I don't know if it's comedy or he breaks watermelons. I have no idea what he's doing. But the idea, I don't care if you're sitting there talking in a chair in a Lazy Boy recliner, doing a show from 7 to 10 every day for another audience for years on end, and these dudes and chicks are doing this seven days a week. And most of them are doing it for months straight. I mean, I'm sure there's days off here or there, but like the the book that I was looking at for Copperfield, mm -hmm. it was quite literally two shows a day with a third on Saturdays for just the entire month of January. How on earth do these people do this? Well, and then, you know, you see these deals, right, where they go, I, I, I'm trying to think of one. Uh, well, Celine Dion signs with whatever, whatever place for a residency for $79 million. And you go, that's ridiculous. And then you kind of do the math and you go, it's still a lot of money and we'd all do that. But I get it. You know what I mean? Like you got to, you're belting out at, at max sure. volume for the people that came all this way just to see you for that one show. That's their show.
Right. You and I can't go a month without losing our voices somehow. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like David Copperfield. Now he looks great. I looked this guy up yesterday. I don't know anything about him, but I googled him. I'm like, he's not me. Okay. He's in good shape. But he's 67 years old. This guy. 67. And he is doing 14 shows a week. If he adds his Saturday, 15 shows a week. And it's just every week, man, twice a night. I just don't get it. I'm probably over-talking about it this week, but it is baffling to me. I am just blown away. One, you sleep on David Copperfield. That dude has lived a life. So imagine being so good at doing magic that you, like, make landmarks disappear, airplanes disappear, TV specials, this, this, that, and the other. You're so big that the world's most famous and powerful supermodels, like, I choose you. Like, Tom Brady... Does that. that quarterback guy Claudia Schiffer? Claudia Schiffer was the world's one seed. She was Aphrodite. She was Helen of Troy, and she's like, yeah, pretty much. I choose David Copperfield, the magician. Like our modern equivalent is Tom Brady. You get you win seven Super Bowls. You get Giselle for for a time, right? You know, like it's okay. That makes sense. That dude who's good at magic married Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> like the world's one Strong. seed was like, you know what? You're pretty good at using some mirrors and some trap doors. I choose you. Super Bowl 58 preview with Solomon Wilcox comes your way next on Grant and Danny on the fan. Grant and Danny on the fan. We are live. From Radio Row at the Convention Center at Mandalay Bay ahead of Super Bowl 58. Danny is back in our D.C. studios. I'm out here hanging out and getting ready for the big game. And all of our coverage on the fan is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. Solomon Wilcots joins us now. It's great to have you back on the program. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Always great to be back. Thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, listen to you all over the place. We see you on mm-hmm. network. We see you everywhere. I guess the start would be your take. We have talked so little about the game. Super Bowl 58. Chiefs, 49ers. If I was to tell you at the start of the year, these are the last two teams, you would have said? No, I guess I could see that. Certainly the 49ers where the field wasn't nearly as crowded on the NFC side, right? I would have, I would have guessed maybe Dallas philadelphia or san francisco so uh i think the 49ers obviously as the number one seed um wasn't a most difficult prediction but i think the kansas city chiefs as even the defending super bowl champions you knew it was going to be very difficult to get back you knew the afc field was crowded with a lot of teams i mean there is as many as seven teams that uh in the afc that could have made it to the super bowl and particularly when you saw the chiefs struggling with their wide receiving core to hold on to the football. The turnovers were, were mounting. Frustration was rising. And I'm telling you, man, I think it took that team to the brink. But because they didn't crack, I think it's allowed them to come together. I think their defense has gotten better. They play harder for one another. And that's the reason why they're now uh, playing just one game away from, from being a repeat Super Bowl champion. So I think many people in Kansas City say, no, we're going to repeat. But most outside of Kansas City did not think that this was going to be possible. Uh, well, Solomon, to your point, the month of December, that was not a particularly effective football team. Dro- dropping three or four at one point, yep. including games for the Raiders, Bills, 
Packers, they eked out a one-point win in a, in a game uh, against the Chargers there in early January. I, I know it didn't necessarily matter for them, but still, it, what is if they played banner football? They're playing much better now than they were a month ago. They're playing much better. much, And I think one of the reasons, uh, Matt Nagy, because I was just saying this every time I, I was on my show on the opening drive on Sirius XM NFL Radio, run the football. You want to help this offense get some rhythm, get some system uh, going in terms of what uh, they can do offensively. You want to help this offensive line. You want to help Pat Mahomes run the football. And uh, Isaiah Pacheco has just been phenomenal in that process. Um, they've gotten Clyde Edwards and Lair involved, more involved in the run game. And that's why this offense has been more consistent. Um, and look, the second half of the AFC Championship game, the wide receivers didn't blow you away in the second half of that contest. But I think they showed they can play complementary football, defense, helping the offense, and vice versa. Defense coming up with three turnovers in that game I think was critical in their ability to win. They get three turnovers in this Super Bowl. Um, they're going to be hoisting a new Vince Lombardi trophy. Do you get the sense, Solomon, that Kyle Shanahan needs a win to cement himself? Because he's considered – one of the smartest play designers, callers, one of the best yeah. coaches in the league. But he has the knock of, well, the 28-3 blow-up for the Falcons was his fault. Or, you know, the 49ers have been good, but they haven't gotten over the top. Is it going to be one of those situations if he doesn't finish one of these seasons where we talk about him as really good, but maybe he never gets the credit he deserves? I think the situation will continue. The things you just said, those things will continue to be said about Kyle Shanahan. I don't think it'll be on his tombstone just yet because he's so young, right? And I only can give you the first 14 years of Andy Reid's career in Philly. They, these are the same things that were being said. That's a great point. And now in his second iteration in the 11 years that he's been with the Kansas City Chiefs, nobody's talking about that anymore. I mean, he's it's been a long run. It's And so uh, for coaches – they get to stay around longer than players, right? <laughs> you get to, he's he's going to, you know, if he's like his dad, he's going to be here 10, 15 years from now with another quarterback, and he's going to be looking for his Patrick Mahomes. And if he finds him, think about if you pair him with a real talent at quarterback like a Mahomes or like what his dad had with John Elway. Do you think he's going to win a Super Bowl before it's all said and done? I would say absolutely. He's that good of a coach. The great Solomon Wilcox with us here on, on G&D. Now, we talked about this with Kansas City a moment ago, Solomon. Now, San Francisco obviously deserves credit. They're in the Super Bowl, for goodness sake. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're picking nits. But it hasn't felt like they've played complete 60-minute football here for some time. Kind of flipping that, the script there a little bit. They, they, they were fortunate, I thought, to beat Green Bay. Detroit gave them everything they could handle. That's a quality opponent. But San Francisco, I would say, hasn't looked maybe as good as Kansas City has over the last few weeks. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think because of the run defense, they've looked good on offense now. You mm-hmm. know, that that second half against Detroit, was it was impressive. Yeah. Five straight drives of scoring, and they just – they went from being down by 17, right, to just almost blowing the team out if they don't give out that last touchdown at the end of the game. So the 49ers are a juggernaut. I mean, this is the fourth team in NFL history – to have a quarterback with 4,000 yards passing and four players with over 1,000 yards from scrimmage all on the same team. So they're capable of being explosive. But I do think their run defense, to your credit, um, has caused them to look vulnerable. And that's why I say that, look, I think in today's age 
where you have salary cap, where you have free agency, you're not able to keep all your players. Um, teams are going to have to get used to winning championships despite being imperfect. Like, you're not going to be strong in every area. There's going to be an Achilles heel somewhere in there. And for <clears throat> the Chiefs, it's the wide receiving core. Let's face it, right, outside of Rasheed Rice. And he's a rookie. I think for the 49ers, I think it's their run defense. The question is, can the opponent exploit those areas, exploit those weaknesses, and come away with a win? I don't believe, and maybe you have, that you've spent a lot of time studying the rookie quarterbacks yet that are coming out, Drake May, Caleb Daniels, and at the top of the board, Jaden Daniels. But having said that, I'm just curious, Solomon, what would you think of Washington, who has the number two pick, Mm -hmm. packaging a couple second-rounders and a first next year, moving up one spot to number one to take Williams? Is that something you'd advise or no? Look, it, I, I, only if you feel that Williams is by far better than the other guys. Here is the, here is the key. Chicago, if they made that trade, certainly would feel like he's not, right? But we're not going to, like, rest on what Chicago has to say about it because they haven't been really good in this area, right? It's like they don't, have a, they don't have a strong track record for telling the rest of the league, ah, you know, you can believe us when we say Caleb Williams isn't deserving of being our number one overall pick. We would still have some doubt in our minds uh, when it comes to the Chicago Bears. I think, the look, if, if you're Washington, you got the second overall pick, and you feel like he's your guy, and you feel like Cliff Kingsbury, the guy that is going to work this magic, he has not proven to be the quarterback whisperer. I'm just going to say that. And if he, if I'm wrong, Tell me where we can point to. I can't stop you there. Because it ain't Kyler Murray. I'll give Kyler Murray for having talent, but that relationship imploded. Did it not? Are you skeptical of Kingsbury? I am because I haven't seen a successful track record. I I have respect for Cliff Kingsbury. Um, But I, look, man, I, I just need to see it. Show it to me. But the Redskins are the Redskins. I'm sorry. The commanders. you got to put a dollar in the jar. I know. I should. I should. The commanders. I got about $16,000 in the jar. Everyone Solomon. knows they should change that name, by the way. Correct, sir. You're right. You, you, commanders isn't good for you. No. Well. Is it good for you? That, that line wraps around the block. Yeah, I'm in That's front of you. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all are almost unanimous it, on it's that, not right? It's a very good name. It's like, you it's notice the, not... owner, the owner doesn't say it. He says Washington football, the new Smart owner. Smart man. I yeah. love Washington football team. That was fine. I, that was better than I'd like a, this a, thing. Here's the problem I had with Washington football team. When Danny and I would talk, it, it, what are you? You a, a redskin, a commander, you were a footballer? So I, I need a, yeah, a, yeah. a name. You need an iconic it doesn't uh, it just character. It, you need a cartoon. You need something. <laughs> I, I don't know why they couldn't be the hogs or the wolves or something. Uh, the red hawks or something. Give me yeah. a red in front of something that I'll take allows it. me to at least hold on to some tradition. Why do they got to take everything away from us, right? <laughs> I, I like that you're on team. Change the name though. Oh, that's a crowded bus. <laughs> <laughs> There's no seat, but it's okay. It's a good conversation with Solomon Wilcox made possible. Uh, you're here today with uh, Chris, who's a patient ambassador. So tell us uh, who's sending Solomon around the uh, radio road today. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm here to talk about the Macy procedure. Uh, that's uh, basically taking out your uh, your own cartilage tissue and harvesting your own cells. They put it in a lab and they grow it 
So it's your own tissue, and they put it back inside your body to fill the potholes of your cartilage defects. Wow. And, uh, and I had this done when I was 29 years old. I'm 36 now. I'm feeling great. Uh, I can keep up with, with people younger than me, which wasn't the case. In school, after I got out, I had to, to walk with a cane. And that was really challenging being somebody who was defined in large part by what I did physically. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people out there who, who sports is, is very central to their life, they can, they can relate to that, especially as they get older. So this uh, Macy procedure, and you can learn more about it at uh, Macy.com, M-A-C-I.com. Uh, it's the only thing I'm aware of that offers that potential for a full recovery, to get back to where you were before. And in my case, and everybody's going to be different, that worked. And, yeah. and here I am, and uh, it's, I'm limitless as, as long as, as far as my knee pain is concerned. Right? <laughs> <laughs> other issues maybe, right? Yeah, uh, well, thank you for your service, first of thank all. So and Solomon, yeah. thank you for the time today. Thank you. We appreciate you. Always it's great, great to talk coming to you again. on with you guys. Absolutely. Listen work, to him okay? on Sirius XM NFL. Watch him all over the uh, network and all over the place. Grant and Danny with you on the fan. Top of the hour on G&D. Former Falcons head coach Mike Smith stopping by right here on Radio Row in Vegas. Thanks to Solomon Wilcots for joining us on Grant and Danny. Terrific conversation with him. I guess not surprising, but good to hear that he is not a fan of the name Commanders, I suppose. Although, I always like it when that happens. It's so validating that I'm not just way, a crazy person yelling at the ocean. You're way more anti the name than I am. I, I am of the belief, as you know, that it really doesn't matter what the name is. A new name was not going to be popular. I happen to think as time's going on that this one is aging about it every day. Like, I get the sense every time you say Commanders, you get more annoyed. I'm not really there. Yeah, I try not to say it. Um, I cringe every time I do. Uh, I hate it so much. It's Dan Snyder's last double middle finger to us. Uh, he ruined everything, and that's the association I have with it, and I can't escape that. Yeah, like, saying a name is just a name is like, would you name your, your kid like ampersand underscore uh, turbo laser? Of course you wouldn't. Well, those are words. Or it's a name. Of course you wouldn't. Just because any name wasn't going to be that as popular as the previous one doesn't mean you don't do better. So they should have done better, and they should do better right now. They should do it right now this second. Announce that they're funny. changing it, and the place would go nuts. It was funny how he brought it up, though, Danny. He's yeah, like, I know, right? By the way, uh, they should change that name, right? <laughs> like, so casual. Like, and by the way, yeah. Dude, how They're about like, on Friday, real quick, at yeah. the uh, the fan versus 106.7 versus 106.7, the fan HD2 um, evening? Come on, that's a bit. Uh, I love it. No, thank you. I mean, Just that making things. I'm going to steal that. From you. You're more than welcome to it. Uh, I came up with it, and I said it on stage. But nobody heard because all the uh, 980 guys were talking. Anyway, the point is, um, how about that one moment where it was like, who likes, I think it was you were doing it, like the informal poll, like, who likes the name Commander? Say yeah, and quite literally, two people out of five hundred were like, "Yes, I like it." Yes, yeah, and then I it was like, "Who doesn't like it?" And four hundred ninety-eight people said yes. I don't know if there was anyone there from the team, like employees or otherwise, or anyone that would care about fan feedback. But that was stunning to me. That was telling, now, wasn't it? I guess I didn't. Ex- I didn't expect people to go nuts or anything when I said, "Do you like the name?" But to your point, and for people that weren't there, the name came up. I, I think Sheehan or somebody brought up the name, and everyone started singing, you know, Hail to the Redskins. And it, it had become kind of pretty obvious at that point, okay, we're, we're doing name bits. I, you know what it was? Hmm. It was John Allen was on stage, and he said, they'll always be the Redskins to me. Uh-huh. Pretty strong quote, by the way. Yeah. From a captain and a leader. And so, anyways, uh, I, at that point, I kind of just did a poll, and I thought this is – 
as good a scientific method as we're going to have. Grant Polson. Exactly. I'm a poll guy. You know that about me. we got 500 people here that are a fan of the team. Let's see. And I said, all right, if you're a fan of, you know, the name commanders say, yeah, like you said, a couple people Two said, people. Yeah. It was really, really crazy. And people want the name changed. I think the name's going to be changed. I'm, I'm not uh, – I, I don't I, – I won't even – to me, I, like I'm confident, the name's going to be changed. I don't, I don't waste any time thinking about it. It's just, it's going to happen way quicker and with a lot less feedback and polling and and we're doing this, telling you what we're doing. I think it's just going to quickly happen, and it's probably going to be next year or the year after. But the other point that Wilcott's made, other than the name change, that I thought was really interesting. Man, he doesn't like the Cliff Kingsbury hire at all. Mm-mm. I mean, he said, "Tell me which quarterback." he made better or, or, you know, got to the peak of their powers. It's hard to answer that question. We don't know what Kyler Murray would have been with another coordinator, and we don't know what he's going to be kind of post-Kingsbury. It's only been the one season coming back from a torn ACL. But he had Mahomes in college at Texas Tech. I think people somewhat give him credit for developing Mahomes. But as the head coach, he was a 500 head coach in college with Mahomes. Caleb Williams this year working with Kingsbury. Not because he worked with him, but it is fair to say he had a worse year this year than last year when he was the Heisman Trophy winner. I give him some credit as the coordinator at A&M for Manziel being one of the best players in the country. I, I don't know if people give him credit for that or not, but it's not like he developed into a pro prospect. That's a fair critique to me. If you want to say he's worked with a lot of young star quarterbacks, which ones did he make great? I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah, that's the cynical. That's not the right word. That's the, that's the negative spin, right? That's the you're, If you're skeptical of the Kingsbury hire, which, by the way, is not unreasonable, that's what you would point to is, you know, if, if Kyler Murray finally has a breakout at some point and he plays consistent Pro Bowl football, because he's had stretches where he's been excellent, right? That 11-6 season, they started out like gangbusters. He was really good. You know, everything's kind of fallen off. If he's better without, you know, the coach, then all of a sudden you go, okay, maybe there's, there's some data points there. But has he made anyone as good as they should be? Has he helped folks ascend? Or has he been in the room while greatness has happened? I, you don't know. That's always hard to, to sort of determine. But, yeah, that that is the, you know, kind of the, if you're not a fan of it, if you're not quite into it, if you sort of see through it, you go, what, what has he really accomplished here other than been around while guys were doing great stuff? Speaking of Cliff Kingsbury, his arrival has created now a fervor and a really loud growing groundswell of noise that the commanders are going to trade up to number one. He's very tight with Caleb Williams, who congratulated him publicly as soon as he got the job. They're boys. Is that something Washington should be thinking about doing? Is it something that you would endorse them doing? We're going to get to that next hour. We'll also be joined by former Falcons head coach Mike Smith, who was in Atlanta right before Dan Quinn and has ties to Quinn. So we will be talking to him this coming hour on Grant and Danny. Danny's in D.C. I'm out here in Vegas at Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. You're listening to The Fan.
Kick off your future with the law firm of Condorian Murad, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention us to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Danny's in D.C. I'm at Radio Row in Vegas, and the big game is coming quickly. Our coverage on the fan is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. want to welcome onto the show a former Super Bowl champion coach with the Baltimore Ravens, who's the winningest head coach ever in Falcons history, former NFL coach of the year, Mike Smith, who actually preceded Dan Quinn in Atlanta, who just got the job here in Washington, D.C. But I saw you walking around yesterday, said we got to talk to him. He knows all about you know, the, the Falcons and what was going on in that era. But appreciate you sitting down with us. Oh, glad to be here and glad to visit with you guys today. I guess let's just start with the end of your time in Atlanta and Quinn comes in right then. We're trying to get a feel for Dan Quinn as a head coach. I'm curious. You guys never coached together, but everyone knows each other pretty well in the fraternity. What do you make of Washington going? You were a defensive-minded guy, most recently a coordinator in Tampa in 16, with a veteran second-time-around defensive head coach. Yeah, Dan is Dan is a very very good football coach. Uh, the guys like to play for him. That he that he's going to have him playing hard. He's going to have him playing smart. And uh, I think when you when you got him playing hard and you got him playing smart, you got a chance. And he is a very very good defensive mind. And I know he's not going to be calling the calling the plays. I saw that in the in the media report. But I'm sure he's going to have his hands and footprint on on the on the defense did you call your own defensive plays no i did not i i was What's more your of a thought CO- on him kind of passing that off to yeah. joe it well i know that uh i i know that i wasn't smart enough to do it <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know how guys you know i think the in this league right now I, well in the super bowl both head coaches will be calling plays uh but i i had two you know, two coordinators, actually three coordinators with my special teams, that they were the, the play callers, and I tried to be a sounding board in terms of, of the game plan and putting, you know, and putting it in. And it'll be a, it'll be a change for Dan, I'm sure, uh, but I think he's, you know, he's got his staff in place now, and it'll be, a, it'll be good for the, the Redskins because he's a good football coach, and I, I read he said – he felt like he's learned. He learned a lot his first time around, and he's getting a second bite at the apple, so to speak. And I think he'll he'll do very well. What's the biggest challenge there to sort of get back into the? I don't know how to say this the right way, Mike. But one, a lot of times, when a guy's gone through it, has been a head coach, and the end isn't what he always wants. There are very few get to write off into the sunset. You know, retiring after you win your last game, you know, with a finger in the air like an iconic painting. But everybody you know, trying to claw their way back in, what's kind of the challenge to change your reputation and perception in some of those meetings, do you think? Well, I think the, the first thing that everybody's going to look at is they're going to look at your, pro, your product on the field. And Dan Quinn has definitely the, put his foot or his handprints all over the Dallas Cowboys uh, defense. And it's and it's been a successful defense. Now, has it had success at the at the highest level in the playoffs? Uh, not you know not up to the expectations. But 
what he what he has done with that defense is is pretty spectacular. It's been fin- it's been fun to watch, and he'll have his you know he'll have his fingerprints all over that all over that defense. He may not be calling the defenses, but I'm sure that they, you know. And Dan's bringing in a guy that was with him in Dallas. So Joe Witt Jr. Jr., Yep, and and has been with. I think he was with them in two different places. Atlanta for the final final year. year. Yep, and then uh, Dallas and now DC. Yeah, and it's great that Joe's getting Witt is getting an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. He's a very good football coach, very very knowledgeable, and I think it will be a good partnership uh, for Dan to pass that off to someone that he's very comfortable with running his defense because it will be his defense. Longtime NFL coach Mike Smith with us here on Grant and Danny. So, Mike, just from outside looking in now, what are the challenges maybe that, you, that may not have been the case a handful of years ago? Do defensive coaches specifically, head coaches now, do they face in kind of the climate of the NFL? Well, I think that we have gone through seismic changes, not only in the way that the game is being played on the field, but we went through it, you know, and just think about it. Six years ago, five years ago, if you had a game, for example, in 2013, we were in the playoffs against the Green Bay Packers. We got an ice storm in uh, Atlanta, shut the city down. Our guys couldn't get to work. Our coaches couldn't get to work. We couldn't meet. We went three days without without seeing or, or or talking with our players. They didn't have any Zoom then. Think about the think about the technology during the now. Playoffs. Yeah, wow. during the during the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, and but now it, it, it has changed the way that you you know the way that you meet with your players. You know, if I was back in the back coaching, I would never have our players come back on Monday. We used to have victory Mondays, but I'd never have them come 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 into the building Monday unless they were injured. Use and, and use the technology now to have a little short meeting, and then they get two days. Then they'll get two days off, two days rest. Uh, you know, the way that the guys take in information is completely different now. You know, you don't stand up on a chalkboard and put the game plan in anymore. You don't stand up on a grease board and put the game plan anymore. It's on your lap. You know, it's on your laptop. It's on your. Uh, Whatever device Everyone's that you got the tablet, yeah, yeah, the tablet. Everybody's got the tablet, and so players players are different, and you and coaches have to adjust to the players, the way that you communicate with them, uh, and I think Dan's probably learned a, learned a lot, and uh, you know Dan's a players coach. He always has been. Players love to play for him. Two thousand eight AP NFL Coach of the Year, Mike Smith here on Grant and Danny, uh, on the fan. I have the opinion, and and I'm saying this now to you as someone who was a great coach as a defensive mind, but I want you to push back and tell me where I'm wrong. My take in this era is that the quarterback-coach relationship is so important that if I was hiring a head coach, I would only ever hire offensive coordinators. (laughs) I wish people could see your smirk. You're kind of like, no, yeah, yeah, no. But but, so the Dan Quinn hire, I'm coming around. He is a leader of men. My point has just kind of been the leader of men thing to me is less important than having someone who designs a great offense and scores a lot of points. And I just want to get your thoughts on that as someone whose entire life you're in, you're in the linebacker room with the Ravens when they win a Super Bowl. I mean, you were the, the most successful coach in Falcons history. What's your thought on that? Because 
it seems like the relationship between quarterback and defensive coaches over the years, it just hasn't quite worked to the same extent. You have a valid point there, and I think a lot of the owners and the decision makers are in agreement with you. If you look at the if you look at the hires, the majority of the hires, it is on the offensive side of the football. And the game is driven by the quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind to be successful in the National Football League, you've got to have a quarterback that can operate the offense that you've that that you've installed uh i think this uh you know i didn't call a play in atlanta and i'm i'm a defensive i'm a defensive guy but i hired guys that i knew were going to be able to put together an offensive game plan Who make your ocs I'm my, to mike malarkey was my first yeah, okay my, my first OC, uh, offensive coordinator and you know we went in we drafted i'll give you a little background so we draft matt ryan we Signed Michael Turner because as a rookie we wanted to have a running game. We didn't want to have to throw the ball around. And then we knew with Matt we had a guy that could throw it. And in years two, three, and four, we had Tony Gonzalez. We had Julio Jones. And, you know, we just morphed into a more balanced offense. But the reason what driven what drove me to Mike is I wanted us to be at the beginning run the football that first year, and then transition into a, a less uh, run game oriented and be more quarterback centric. Because put more on his plate. Yeah, put mm-hmm. more. And, and Mike was, you know, Mike was very, very good at both the run and the, and the pass game. And uh, I think you can hire a guy that's a defensive-minded guy, but he's got to hire the right offensive coordinator you guys took ryan in like the top five well it was five at number five five Five, so tell me this then i mean because this is kind of like what we're about to see here with quinn defensive coordinating type head coach and then they have the number two overall pick so how do you without being with him constantly you're not quizzing him and going over the film how do you build that relationship with that quarterback as a as a head coach oh you spend a lot you spend a lot of time when when you're not running the offense and you're not running the defense, you've got to spend as the head coach. You've got to spend a whole lot of time with Matt, and and I was wanted to be a sounding board for Matt, and to make sure that Matt's had input, even though he was a rookie. That was I spent a lot of time with Matt, you know, talking about well, Matt, what do you think? You know, he may not ask Mike Malarkey, the offensive coordinator, in year one. Well, I don't know. I'm not comfortable, but. I can get him to tell me that. Sure. You know, and spend, Do you think maybe you're, you're getting me to think about something. Is that part of why maybe Quinn wouldn't have wanted to call plays, like more of that overseer? Yeah. I would say most definitely. Uh, and and it gives you an opportunity to oversee and talk and spend time. I spend just as much time in the quarterback room as I did the defensive defensive line room when meetings were going on. I just wanted to be seen, wanted to, to see and hear the the game plans as as the head football coach and there's different type of head coaches you know right now the trend in the national football league is hire an offensive guy and he calls his own place i mean over half the league now that is the model that people are going with you have a head coach that calls offensive plays in the super bowl on sunday both head coaches call the plays and if you just run you can just run down and there's probably 
16, 17, 18 that are head coach play caller. And that's the trend right now. It's not an over, you know, it's not a general over overview head coach. They're more fo- focused on calling the plays. Offense, yeah. yeah, and offense. Now get now don't get me wrong. It's been very successful, but it's a quarterback driven league. You you know, you're going to win and die and lose by the way your quarterback plays. And that's why it's so important to get it right when you're picking in the top 5. And I haven't studied the draft at all, but I'm sure there's going to be guys worthy of a quarterback that's worthy of the third pick in the draft this year. And and if the organization thinks that he's the guy that we're going to be able to give get a second contract and he's going to help us, he's going to help us win, we'll be able to have a second contract, then they're going to take a quarterback at that pick if they think he's worthy enough. So, Mike, you were you were there for Hard Knocks, right? Was that 2014? Uh, I <laughs> I am a I did Hard Knocks, the very first one in Atlanta, or excuse me, in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Excuse me, I was I was on that. That I was, was the a, best Hard Knocks ever, ever, by the way. ever, ever. It was so cool, and 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 uh, you know, Brian, we said we won the suit, we won the Super Bowl. Why are we doing Hard Knocks? He says, and it was brilliant. He said. I want us to have to be more focused. This will make us focus more as coaches and players. And, and it really did, even though we you know, we had some injuries and we didn't get back. But So I did the hard knocks in, in, in Baltimore. I did hard knocks in Jacksonville. <laughs> they had, oh, it, it was, really? Yes, it was the pseudo hard knocks. There was a year they didn't do it. And oh, they tried I remember to, that. They tried yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it. So then I did it in Atlanta. Yeah. Then I did it in Tampa. I'm a four-timer. You're a four-timer. I, yeah, you, you I'm a four-timer. I made hey, I hey, I may not have the most appearances on <laughs> in the Super Bowl, but I think I might have the most appearances on Hard Knocks. I, I didn't even realize I tried that. to stay out of the way on on most of them. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. I didn't even realize that. Well, the reason I brought it up is you, you, you touched on something that made me think about this. There's a moment that I've been referencing for ten years now, which, by the way, I can't believe it's been ten years. When on on the show where Matt Ryan walks into the receivers meeting. Has the receivers coach run some film from practice because he was talking with a couple of the receivers? I think you know I can't remember exactly who it was oh, about the, it was. De- the depth yeah. he wanted a certain was it route. Yeah, yep. it was yeah. Sanu. Yep, yep. The the yep. depth and, and the timing of a certain route, and said, you know what, you're right about that, and, and walked out of the room. And I swooned. I've, I've rewound yep. it and watched it a thousand times because, yep. like, we haven't had anything like that here. We've had, we've had guys that, that rented houses and were, were out of here before, uh, you know, the season ended, basically. How long, under your watch, did it take for Matt Ryan to grow into that? Well, I encouraged Matt to do it from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was in, within, in his rookie year when you had the success that we had. I think we, won t- we were 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five yep. in year one. We had a setback in year two and went to 9-7 and seven when Matt uh, – was injured and missed four games i think three games excuse me uh but i encouraged you know i wanted matt i told matt first time i sat down with him in indianapolis i said if we draft you you're going to be the face of the con of the of the team everybody's going to be looking at you and after after they're looking at you they're going to be looking at me for for leadance and guidership and he said and and i said i know you you're you're a rookie but you're a starting quarterback in the National Football League, and Matt Matt, t- Matt took the, well certain people. I like think if yes. Washington drafts Drake May, 
I mean, should, I don't know his background. Well, right, but, but what, I, what I'm asking is like. Because they drafted him, does he just get to go in the room and do that, or is there you, you a earn, personality no, element? Yes, you earn you earn that. Yeah, you earn that right. And Matt, you know, Matt, right off the bat, everybody knew how he was. He was a he was a great teammate, and he wasn't the first round draft pick. He was a great teammate. And when you have players that are great teammates, you have guys that are going to be able to collaborate with one another and come together and have a common goal. Winning his coach in Falcons history, Mike Smith here on Grant and Danny. Hey, before we let you go really quickly, a conversation made possible by what you're doing with X-Tech. Tell us about it. Yeah, I've been involved with X-Tech shoulder pads now for 12 years. Uh, you know, going into this, when I was first introduced to it, pads hadn't changed. And it is now... Over the last five years, it's the number one pad in, in the pros in all of professional football. Over 80% of the players wear X-Tech pads. Guys like Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, Micah Parsons. And there's, I think, eight guys in this game that are that will be wearing X-Tech shoulder pads. And player safety has been a national we got to drop that, unfortunately, a bit of a technical issue there at the end from, uh, from from Mike Smith. But that was an outstanding interview. Some great insight there uh, from him. A lot of fun to catch up with him out there at Radio Row. We mentioned this a couple times throughout these uh, interviews here today on Grant and Danny. And kind of want to take your temperature on this. So if we want to line up a couple calls right now, I think we might have some time to do that. 800-636-1067 is the number. There's been some of that buttle scut, as some of my uh, older neighbors like to say. Said the words got about about because Cliff Kingsbury, hope Grant's happy, is here now as the OC in Washington D.C. He's got a connection with Caleb Williams. Are you entertaining trading up? Is that something you would want to do? 800-636-1067. Grant will give you his answer. I'll give you mine. We return next on the fan. At 6 o'clock Eastern time, your pals will sit down with Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. Really sharp guy, formerly of PFF, or pro football focus, if you will. The acronym is PFF, or PFF, and I will. Uh, it's Gene D here on The Fan. We got a, a couple tech issues we're working out. We'll get Grant Paulson back on here any moment. He is live Radio Row in Las Vegas. That's what happens sometimes with remotes. The question of the moment for you guys at 800-636-1067. This is the first time to tackle it. It's not going anywhere. I'll tell you that right now. This, I don't know what you call it, uh, uh, speculation, this scuttlebutt, this idea, this concept is something that's on people's minds. I'm not kidding you. When I say like my buddies uh, email chat, you know, like guys that I, I grew up with, went to kindergarten, through college with a lot of them, you uh, started emailing about this, about the Dan Quinn hire, then about Cliff Kingsbury, et cetera. He gets hired. The immediate speculation, three different guys asked me, are they going to trade at the number one to get Caleb Williams? I've seen that tweet. I have seen that, uh, you know, around the the dads at the soccer game. That's already something. Or the uh, the practices at bad basketball. This is what everybody is talking about. It's not going anywhere. So I want to know from you guys at 800-636-1067. Is that something you'd be interested in? Would you be in to doing that to pulling the trigger and moving up a slot? Now, I don't know what the value would be. I don't know how much it would cost. 
So if you tell me it doesn't cost very much at all, for the sake of argument, let's say you you swap second rounders, you swap third rounders, and it, it doesn't you know really change anything for your long term future. Okay, it's something I can I can consider. But considering what is likely to be the market value of it, where you're going to spend next year's first round pick, probably give up the the advantage that you've gotten here with these multiple twos. I don't think I'm that excited about it. And again, it all kind of depends on what the value is. And I wonder where my line would actually go. We welcome back Grant Paulson to his own radio program. GP, you are back, sir? I am back, my friend. I am adamantly against trading up to one. In any capacity, even if it's just a nominal, I don't want to say because you know it's going to cost something, but it, what if it costs less than you think? Like, what's where's the line of demarcation for you? Well, yeah, if, if they get some kind of bargain perceived to be, let's just, call it give me a, a deal that you think would be good because the going rate it seems like is that they would trade 236 and 40 for one meaning you're flipping mm-hmm. from one and two and then you're giving up 36 and 40 this year and a first rounder next year well i think you have to include a first rounder next year don't you like you're not giving I, I up the number think. one overall pick if you're not getting a future one so now the question is well, what are you giving up this year they pick at 236 and 40 in the top 40. Then they've got three more picks in the top 102, 67, 100, and 102. I just, they need so much, man. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take a quarterback or you got to trade back and add more picks, which is one theory. But you're picking second, you take a quarterback. It's not like there's one guy, by the way. If the, if the draft this year was Caleb Williams and then the next QB was Kenny Pickett, who might go mid to late first round, mm-hmm. different conversation. Drake May is a prototype elite-level prospect. Jaden Daniels is an electric elite-level scintillating talent who just won the Heisman Trophy. You know, it's it's not like you either eat the, the meal at number one or you don't eat again. It's just different types of meals that might not be as high ceiling. But I got my own questions about Caleb Williams anyway, so I am not a fan of trading up generally. You tell me, how often does it work for a team like Washington? The Bills might be able to pull it off when they've got Tyrod and their fringe playoff team. We've seen teams like the Chiefs straight up to get Mahomes. It works when they've got Alex Smith and they're already a playoff team. But bad teams that are picking in the top three or four for a reason, moving up, giving up assets, receivers, tackles, uh, defensive pieces, contributors around that quarterback to help, I think it's just really, really hard, man. It's a bad track record. I I tend to agree. And we're, we're talking about playing the percentages here. Now, there are, you've got Adam Peters in in seat, right? And he's already broken the quote-unquote conventional mold once with this hiring process. Whatever you think of it, he has, right? The trend line is, are you a a, a handsome offensive coordinator with a flat top? You know, come on in for an interview. They talked to two external offensive minds in this process, a bunch of defensive guys. They are bucking the trend going with Dan Quinn and company. He might he he knows those percentages. He's aware of how often trade up works. He tried to trade up and it failed miserably uh, in in San Francisco. He was part of that group that did that. So I'm sure he's aware of those numbers. He's empowered though. If he falls in love and says this is the right fit for us because of X Y Z, and he knows, I'm certainly willing to take a shot. But it wouldn't be the move that I would prescribe. But that's not that's not to say that I I know more than him. I don't, and, and I know that we're now reverting into in Peters we trust or in you know it, it just blindly using arguments to authority, but it's not something that I would consider uh, unless it was just too good of a bargain to pass up and the fit was too good and, and and there really was that gap in perception among Caleb Williams versus the guys that are second and third. It depends on the eye of the beholder uh, in Daniels and May. 
if they love Caleb Williams, at the end of the day, no one's going to remember if it worked out what they actually gave up to go get him. If it doesn't, it gets brought up all the time, and you get Jeff Fisher trolling Mike Shanahan uh, before the game with like all the captains <laughs> from a four-win team that uh, you know that he got in trade. Yeah, I guess here's here's the question: Do you like Caleb Williams more than Drake May and a starting defensive end and a starting tight end and a starting middle linebacker? Because that's I, really what we're talking about. And I, I yes. it doesn't mean all those picks hit and all those guys become starters. But you're talking about two in the top 40. Mm-hmm. This year, the way it trends, I think it could be a wide receiver and an edge. could be a tight end and an edge. But that's a weapon in the passing game or an offensive lineman, starter, a tackle, and an edge rusher. Two of your most critical positions of need. Next year, I don't know where you think they'll pick. What do you say? Do you think they're hopefully not in the top five, but maybe in the, the 7 12 to 12 range? range? Yeah. yeah. So that should be – that's a lottery pick, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Adam Peters is who we think it is, if that's another edge, that's a double-digit sack a year guy. If that's a linebacker, that's a potential impact Pro Bowl Mike linebacker on ball. If that's a DB, that should be someone who ends up under Joe Witt's charge, you know, being a real stud. Are you willing to give all of that plus Jaden Daniels up for Caleb Williams? You know All me. of that – yeah. You know, like, I, I do. We, we had this discussion with, with Chase Young years ago where I said – the, the greatness that he would have to attain to be better and more valuable than two starters, the, the names that I picked at the time were Tristan Wirf and Justin Jefferson. Probably like to end up with those two guys over uh, Chase Young. And who knows what deals were available and weren't. I know that that's all you know, fun boardroom in the moment after the fact stuff. We have no idea what was offered or what wasn't. But my point was everyone dismissed the idea of, of trading back. I don't want to trade back here. I want the picks that they've worked hard to accumulate. Right? They made shrewd, smart, positive moves to go acquire extra picks in the top 50, the top 100. They've got that number two overall pick, which is such a tremendous asset. Take advantage of that in that unique spot to grab all those different things you're saying. And even if not all of them work out, if some do, you're better off there than the alternative. Now, with all of this said, because the the reality is that it's, it, it doesn't end up being that your three picks you're packaging in this deal outside of the top two. Now, so you're flip-flopping one and two, but the other three picks, they're not all going to be pro bowlers probably, right. even if Adam Peters is as awesome as we think. So the reality is probably you know, that you have one guy that ends up just being okay, you know, one guy who ends up being good, and one guy who ends up being great. But I guess my point is if Caleb Williams is the next great quarterback, then obviously you would do that deal. If I was to tell you, that he is in the Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, whoever else gets to be in that tier, that bucket moving forward, Herbert, whoever else. Like if five years from now when you're ranking QBs, Caleb Williams is in that conversation in the top five to seven, then yeah, Danny, I think trading up for him is probably not a no-brainer, but defensible regardless of what you give up. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the compensation is. But he has to be number one, head and shoulders better than the other two guys that you're considering at number two. So the first question is, does Peters and company think that he is? Secondly, you've got to be completely convinced about the individual. I don't know how you could be. And I say that as someone who knows Caleb Williams not at all. He might be the best dude in the world. I have no idea. I just know that there has been more noise and rumblings about Caleb Williams and wanting ownership stake and doesn't want to play in Chicago and these weird 
instructions that are going to come with him. We haven't had anything like this since Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's been a gigantic pain in the ass since he got in the NFL. Am I wrong? I'm not saying he's not a good player, but there, how there many reports have we seen? Yeah. Yeah. How many reports it, about teammates and video yeah. game, whatever? Best I, and I'm case, not trying like to, some explaining has been needed for Kyler Murray, right? That's the correct. best case. I'm not trying to dog Caleb Williams at all. My point is, the last time we had weird stuff like this was Kyler Murray, and it has become pretty clear that Kyler Murray is not the CEO of the Fortune 500 company that necessarily you would design in a video game. So. Yeah, I think if you're trading up, it just so happened the Cardinals had the number one pick that year, and, and Kingsbury obviously was there for that experience. Maybe that'll be a factor in how he feels. But if you're trading up, you really got to know, man. You really got to know that he's the right guy and that he is better than those other two, decidedly. I'm out. It's just it doesn't work at a high enough clip. It yeah, does a, not work at a high enough rate. A realistic trade wouldn't in, wouldn't it, it wouldn't make as much sense to me like if there was something where they I, again I'm, this is would never happen so I don't even know why I'm flapping my gum saying about it but if they had they they flop one they flip ones this year it's next year's number two they have to give up a two this year and maybe flip a couple spots in, in different rounds and you know who knows if it's not that outrageous you go okay but other than that and I just can't see Chicago doing that right there's there's no reason for them to there's no incentive there because they could get more in all likelihood from somebody else trading up higher to get to the number one spot, right? If they and were the to trade. Yeah, that's an important point is I think people say, well, you only have to trade up one pick. So you're not going to have to give up that much. Like this idea that I'm pitching, which I'm not coming up with. This is what's been speculated by people mm-hmm. who you know evaluate draft picks and their values at, at, analytically for a living. You know, the, the conversation, I think, has to be not you're only trading up one pick. You've got to outdo the team that's trying to come up from six to one. There's someone that might be trading up from eight to one who's willing to give up three ones. So if you're going to do that, even if it's only a pick, you've got to get in the ballpark. You don't have to give up the same amount because they might rather trade back one slot and still pick second than move all the way back to eight because they could still get Daniels if they love him or Drake May or whatever it is that the Bears want to do. A question for you guys, though. If you want to answer the question more broadly like we just did, are you interested in trading up to 1-1? You could do that at 800-636-1067. I want to get into the Kingsbury element of this with you next, Danny, and how much his presence could factor into and affect not only the dialogue and the discourse about this, the rest of the pre-draft process, but the actual possibility of a trade-up. Like, Does this make it more likely, or is that just what everybody's saying in the conclusion that they're jumping to? Grant and Danny on the fan. He's in D.C. I'm in Vegas at Radio Row. It's Super Bowl week on G&D. From Mandalay Bay in Vegas at Radio Row, Grant Paulson with you. Danny Ruye is in our D.C. studios alongside. This is Grant and Danny. He is the better-looking, handsome half of this program. And uh, maybe, just maybe, if you were one of the 500 listeners who was at the big event that we did at Bethesda Theater on Friday night, mm-hmm. you saw Danny stand up for the first time. A couple people came up to me. They're like, Danny crushed it. He wasn't uh, nervous. Like, he did so good. I'm like, with all due respect, 
Yes, he did, first of all. He <laughs> well, was very thank, funny. Thank you. And he was wonderful, and it was great. This is literally his wheelhouse, man. Like, go see him. He does this for that 10 minutes. He does that for 50 in an hour sometimes. Like, go enjoy the space. But uh, it's always – I always like I seeing know. people who are seeing you for the first time because it's like, Danny was like an actual comedian up there. Like, he, he kind of knew what he was doing. It's like, I think 22 years or well, – how long have you been doing it? This is, so what you're, this is my 20th year. Yeah, this is year 20. So it, it is kind of funny. And it's, I, listen, I, I don't begrudge it because, you know, how could you know unless you've, unless you've seen it in person? But they, they sort of – I think people don't know what to expect. And by the way, it's not like your normal stand-up set. These are is index- there something to this? I've thought about this. Yeah. I don't know if this is true. There is such a thing. This is going to sound really mean, but like there are really bad comedians, like people who say, "Oh yeah, I'm a comedian," and they they do act. You know, they they do. They are. They they mm-hmm. do shows, and they like a handful of people come, and but they just say they're a comedian, and maybe that's the thought. Like they don't know that you're actually a real comedian. No, you're just yeah, a guy Which, saying you're a comedian. No, I know, I know what you mean, but I mean, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where you don't really know unless you know. Like I, we have some really good friends. Uh, that just reminded me while you, while you were talking, I did this charity show for this uh, for this nonprofit, right? And she was one of the people that you know helps run this nonprofit, and she came to the show, and she was sitting up front, and she was terrified, terrified. And I finally was like, "You understand? I, I like it's going to be okay. Like I do this professionally. Like I, yeah. I am, I'm very good. You'll you'll be fine." Because she was like so nervous that I wasn't going to do well, and like, oh, like how what's going to happen? Like when jokes happen, like what does it mean? Like, it, it, I promise you it'll be okay. So yeah, but it's it's always a little. I don't take it personally when people are like completely surprised that there are actual chuckles, <laughs> even, even laughter. Well, we haven't talked about yeah. it much, but I, I did yeah. just want to bring up. No, it's it kind. Thank you. Kind of slipped through the clack, uh, cracks with me getting out here yesterday in the press conference. Yeah, pressers and but stuff, yeah. I thought that your roast slash set was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know that everybody did. Uh, there's there's some folks that had a, had some feelings and had, to, had it, to say nice job, even if they didn't feel that way. I don't think everybody liked it. But that wasn't the goal now, was it? The goal was to make yeah. some people laugh yeah. and to get a couple high fives after. And a couple and of think, those, oh, that's when you know it's a good roast. Yeah. A couple of things where people were like, uncomfortable or booing that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. really? That's the one? He said a lot of things in the last 10 minutes. That's the time that you're going to react as if he went too far? Okay. Uh-huh. All right. We if got, you say so. We got 14 more next cards to go. You guys better buckle up. Uh, the question for you guys right now on Grant and Danny, taking your temperature, Cliff Kingsbury became the offensive coordinator going into the week. Uh, found that out on Sunday. It was official Yesterday, they announced it at the press conference as well. Kingsbury worked at USC with Caleb Williams. It has begun what is now rampant speculation that Washington may trade up to number one to take Caleb Williams. I think a lot of times the dots that get connected immediately aren't correct. Everyone just assumes that the thing that seems to make a lot of sense, Dan Quinn to Seattle, is going to happen, and it doesn't normally. But I am out on trading up. I just think it doesn't work that often, especially when you're bad enough to pick second. You need so much. I'm not giving up two, maybe three really good starters to have Williams instead of just May or Daniels and those three starters. But see what the people think. Chris is in Hyattsville on Grant and Danny. What's up, buddy? I just want to know that uh, I'm sorry I missed the show, guys, did, uh, Friday night, but I, I hope the rooster got roasted. No pun intended. Yeah, he, he caught some shrapnel. Yeah, he did. Nice. <laughs> no, no one, no one deserves it more than the rooster. Um, he was probably walking high because of his Dan Quinn projection. Oh, he was feeling but, himself. Um, 
yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was walking out like Vince McMahon. Uh, so you know, I don't want to repeat all the reasons why you guys say this is just a terrible idea. Uh, the only time you could really only argue that trading up multiple first-round picks, and I don't include Patrick Mahomes because he was drafted 10th overall, but I'm saying big-time deals. The only two times that theoretically you could say it worked was once for Michael Vick, which, by the way, those two picks ended up being LaDainian Tomlinson and Drew Brees, if I'm correct. Uh, and number two was Eli Manning, which, oh, by the way, they could have just stuck and had Phil Rivers and probably had the same results. Um, so this is only two times where those have been resulted in successful starting quarterbacks who were considered, like, legitimate franchise guys. Chris, Otherwise, i got to cut you real quick because we're up against our hard out for call, Richmond, Chris. regrettably. But it's a great point. And I actually want to get back into what he just suggested, which is the batting average on it actually working, which is so rare. We'll do that next. We've got Eric Eager from Sumer Sports as well on GND. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.